Welcome back, everybody, to the Film Crew College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tiller, and joined today by returning guest, Jake. Jake, how's it going, bud? It's going good, Tiller. Great to be back. Looking forward to talking some ACC. Absolutely. And we've got a new guy coming on the show today. Uh, he was trying to hop on the SEC East show last week, but ended up having some stuff going on. So we're happy that we're having him here with the ACC preview. Uh, his name's Pat. And Pat, how's it going, my man? It's going well, man. Uh, happy to finally be on here. Cox stole uh, all my uh, shine for the SEC, but uh, here <laughs> just to talk some uh, Louisville football. Um, grew up in Louisville, native Louisvillian, but I uh, went to the University of South Carolina. So I um, have ties to both universities and a fan of both. So Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it all, it's always nice to be following multiple conferences, kind of spreads your, spreads your view around a little bit. So... Today we're going to talk a little bit about the ACC here, going to do a dive into the teams, how they did last year, their outlook for next year, uh, going to talk about the conference as a whole, which is kind of where I want to start out. Um, Media Days didn't have anything particularly interesting this year, so wanted to just kind of talk a little bit more about where the ACC stands with regard to the other conferences in the FBS. So obviously... The SEC and the Big Ten are the big dogs. They're going to be the Tier 1 conferences. But I think the ACC is pretty solidly in that second tier of conferences. Um, you know, they are probably going to stand pat right now. I doubt they're going to add anybody new. But I don't think they're going to be losing anybody. So what are, what are your guys' thoughts on where they are right now as conferences stand? If I am reading this correctly, Tiller, uh, their contract they just signed uh, with media rights runs through it's what's that 2036 yeah that was <laughs> yeah, uh, uh that was something that, that's pretty hefty so honestly for for something to significantly change in the acc i think that that college football just needs to have some sort of massive blow up with it like just realignment gets completely out of hand and they just say all right we just need to start all over um that's kind of where i stand on the acc at um, unless they, they go out and um, get some of the players from the conferences that are just, like, disintegrating before our eyes. Yeah, which is always possible. Yeah. Yeah, definitely um, just really interesting, obviously. A little tiring at this point with regards to talking about conference realignment. But, um, yeah, I think the ACC is not in a bad spot by any means. Um, the Big 12 – is someone they could maybe poach from. I think for all intents and purposes, the Pac-12 is done and, um, you know, some of those other conferences, but the ACC has some some strong members uh, behind the SEC and Big Ten, so I wouldn't be too worried. If I was someone that was in the lower ranks of the ACC, I would feel pretty confident about, you know, still having the hierarchy there in, in that uh, conference, so. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, <clears throat> their media deal is not great. Like like you said, Jake, it goes through 2036, and I think it's only paying them out 35 mil a school. While that, does, while that is pretty bad from a financial standpoint for the conference as a whole, the fact that the grant of rights does run that long kind of helps them stick together. Like the amount of money that they would have to pay to leave the conference um, would just be insane. Like, Clemson would probably have to pay like half a billion dollars based on the, the grant of rights in order to actually leave the ACC. So I think they're not necessarily, they're not in danger of losing anybody. 
as of right now, I don't think. And it doesn't seem like anyone is very eager to leave with that either. <clears throat> um, just because I know that there's been a lot of what what is the next move um, kind of news stories that you hear coming out of like the Big 12 and the Pac-12 in terms of should we expand, um, should we fold. Um, the ACC has it's just been kind of quiet and that, that kind of just sounds like everything is just in place for it to just continue on unless something significant changes. Yeah. yeah I would almost need something like Clemson getting an invite to the SEC or Florida state or Miami. One of the, the larger brands would need to have to take a, a step out to something like that, because I don't think either of those three would make it into the big 10 based just purely off academic standards. It would have to be, I mean, I guess Miami had would have a shot, but yeah. then I, I, I guess maybe one of the tobacco road schools could go to a Big Ten conference if they were invited, but I don't. I, it just seems like there's, yeah, as Jake says, just a lot of crickets. It seems like they, everybody wants to stay, and the the Grand Rights is definitely a big kicker in that. So. Yeah, I don't know if it's yeah. so much a want to stay as we don't want to pay half a bill to get out of here. So, right. um, yeah, I do think that Clemson would be in one of those in that tier of schools that would get an SEC invite if it came down to it. You know, Miami, uh, Miami, I think they're an AAU school, actually, which every school in the Big Ten is an AAU school except for Nebraska. And Nebraska was an AAU school when they got accepted to the Big Ten, but they since lost that status. So I think Miami would definitely have a really good shot of getting a Big Ten invite. But, I mean, just like with USC and UCLA, like that would just be so weird seeing – Miami, in the, the least possible Big Ten team ever. Miami, yeah, it would it would just be nuts. But yeah, I do think they are going to stand pat at this point. Um, I do think that they could poach some schools from the Big Twelve if they really wanted to. Like, I mean, West Virginia is probably the most likely candidate if they did want to expand at all. But like you guys said, I, they're just kind of standing pat right now, so I, I don't think we necessarily need to worry about expansion. But they, you would think that they would want to renegotiate that TV deal. With that being said, let's just go ahead and take a look right into the conference itself. Um, going to go in alphabetical. Actually, no, we're not going to go in alphabetical order. This is going to be a completely random order of each division. So we're going to go ahead and start with the Atlantic division, which will give us the big dog in the house. Uh, it's going to be the Clemson Tigers. So... 2021, they didn't necessarily have the kind of success that they've come to expect over the past eight years, decade almost. Uh, they ended up going 10-3, and three, and they did cap it off with a bowl win. So it was the Cheez-It Bowl. So Davo definitely woke up feeling the cheesiest that day. So um, they played more ways than one. <laughs> Man, that, he, he's something. But season started off not that great with a really low-scoring loss to Georgia, which, I mean, with the way Georgia's season ended up going, that that's definitely not something that you can – you don't have to have your head down about that one. But looking ahead to 2022, I think one of the most interesting things going ahead with Clemson is the fact that they lost both of their offensive – they're both of their coordinators. They lost their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Brent Venables is now with the Oklahoma Sooners. And Tony Elliott, where did he end up going? He's at Virginia. 
Virginia. Okay, so he stayed. He stayed in the uh, in the conference there. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how Dabo ad- ad- adjusts. Um, he does tend to promote from within, so you would have to think that he has a successor in place for both positions, and it's going to be a guy that he really trusts. Um, yeah. I don't know anything about either of these guys, so I don't know if you guys have anything on the two new coordinators or where they came from. Um, I don't have anything about the coordinators necessarily, but I mean, just I know that people are going to overreact to the Venables um, leaving aspect of it just because he's been such a critical part of their game plan. Um, But this defensive line is just too good for it to not succeed, even in his absence this year. I think it's it's one of the best D lines in the entire country. Um, and it's going to be good enough to make th- – this conference is just a team of – or it's, it's a league of uh, teams that just like to score 45 and hope that's enough. Um, but this this Clemson team is good enough on defense that um, – and at making everyone else play left-handed that I don't think Venable's absence is going to mean much. Yeah. I mean, that D-line is probably going to be the best – best defensive line in all of college football yeah and um it, it's pretty interesting I'm just I'm looking through um what some of these guys did prior um the new defensive coordinator Richardson he actually was the head coach at Northwestern and won a few state titles and that's where Clowney and a few other guys went so um he he definitely has some ties within the state and seems like uh he definitely you know fits right in with the Clemson mold in terms of that um, so yeah, interested to see how, you know, that's obviously an interesting angle, but when you recruit like Clemson does, you know, it's, it's sometimes a plug and play for the most part and cakewalk the ACC. But, uh, I think there's a lot of question marks with regards to quarterback. That's the one, the one thing I know we'll probably get into a little bit more, but not yeah. a big believer in DJ. I think that <clears throat> something has to change there. I think the defense can carry them through a lot of games, um, as they have in the past with, you know, some subpar quarterbacks, um, I guess before, um, I guess a little after Taj Boyd, but before Deshaun Watson, um, those years when um, they were carried a little bit by their defense. So it, it might be one of those years for them. Oh, but Pat, something did change with DJ. I don't know if you guys saw, he lost 30 pounds this offseason. And that's pretty significant. I know, uh, congrats to DJ. I don't know if Dabo told him to go keto or something, but (laughs) this is a man that plays like a bowling pin, a rolling pin. And for him to not be able to just ground and pound and run over all of the, the defensive linemen that are in his face and be only 235 pounds instead of 265 is just absurd. So I don't know how that's going to affect him at all that he was 265 yeah that's what it says on here oh my god that that's a ridiculous weight for a quarterback yeah where like <laughs> they, they add like 10 pounds of muscle every time they describe his size but yeah that, that's still insane yeah I, i'd heard he lost 30 pounds but i didn't know he went from, i figured he went from like you know 240 to 210 or something like that i didn't think he went from <laughs> a big linebacker to a normal size linebacker. That's insane. Big Ben is jealous. <laughs> he probably is. But yeah, I do agree. I mean, DJU is definitely going to be the the question mark here. And obviously, we talked about him with our Heisman odds 
a couple weeks ago. And, you know, he had, I want to say he had like over plus 5,000 odds to win the Heisman. So obviously Vegas isn't necessarily bullish on him either. But with uh, with Cade Klubnik waiting in the wings, you got to wonder how short that leash is going to be with him. Yeah, I, I think it has to be, you know, something where it can be within the first two games. I, I want to look up their schedule and see the slate they have. I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure, um, you know, what they're working with there. In terms of talent, I mean, he's got to at least get some time in the Furman and Louisiana Tech game before they they go to Wake. And you don't know what Wake's going to be like with regards to Hartman. So I think you have to get him some reps in those first few games and and see what he's made up a little bit before you get into the brunt of the schedule with with Wake and NC State. I mean, those two games probably make or break their season right there in terms of winning the ACC and possibly going to college football playoffs. So. I think he's going to put up some numbers and kind of the cupcake schedule that they have to start off. And then, like you said, once they get to Wake, then they, they have to have that NC State game right after that. And um, But I don't know. Dabo is really traditionalist. He's probably going to frame it as an underdog story if he does struggle. Um, just since they are such a um, – uh, they, they've risen from the ashes ever since uh, his – uh, his reign has begun. Um, but I mean, Davo has been pretty loyal to his, um, to his players in regards to playing time. If I, if I do remember correctly, just because they do collect so many five stars, but typically if someone has earned it, he's been kind of, uh, just, he's had a tendency to favor seniority. And I think DJ has that with him. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's going to be DJ's job to lose. It's just a matter of, how long it goes, how if he struggles early on, how long that goes beforehand. Because, <clears throat> like you guys said, looking at their schedule, like their first three games are cake. They start out against Georgia Tech, which, you know, away game. You never know what could happen there. But I don't necessarily feel bad about predicting them to win that one. And then they're going to Furman and Louisiana Tech before they really start hitting the meat of the conference schedule. And it's honestly, looking at their schedule, it's not the easiest schedule. Uh, they've got they've got some heaters here uh, scattered throughout the the last two thirds of the schedule here. Um, yeah, Wake Forest. I'm not I'm not super concerned about them beating Wake Forest, but that NC State game that could be a big one. Well, um, so whenever I was looking at their schedule, I had two main notes. My, the main one is uh, I think it's very important for them to be home for NC State, and I think that it's going to be a really important game for them, considering that was their main loss last year. That kind of felt like the um, just the complete back blow to their season, um, just considering they had already had that beginning loss to Georgia. Um, and I will say, though, that next game afterwards, I, they might be tired after um, prepping so hard for the NC State game because that could very well determine the conference. That game at Boston College, it's the red bandana game. Yep. I don't know if you guys know about the red bandana game, but I pay yep. absolutely zero attention to, to Boston College. But whenever I see that red bandana game on TV, I'm tuning in. Tuning in, absolutely. It, it, it's like the only important game to their entire season. Um, and so they could get up for Clemson. Uh, they could, I don't know, potentially cause Dabo to, call, to have a hiccup. He's had a few in the past uh, towards the middle of the end of the year. Um, but that's really, the, I think, I, I think that this team is just too deep and, has the capability to lose one or two games and still win the conference. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I was actually looking back, um, you know, an interesting case 
um, study here was the Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence year. Um, and I, I looked into that and Kelly Bryant played the first three games and struggled in game four. And I think he was six for 10 for 30 yards and they pulled him and, and Lawrence came in and threw four touchdowns. So, um, you know, you could, you could see a, a script like that in the Louisiana Tech game, third game of the season. And it's, it's not going the way it should be. And, and maybe it's time for, um, you know, a new face at, at quarterback. And, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. So. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I mean, DJ season last year was really interesting because, you know, obviously he saw very limited action as a freshman, the big one being at Notre Dame, at Notre Dame where Clemson did lose the game, but it definitely was through no fault of his. Like he played yeah, he lights played. out. That that game was crazy. I thought, I mean, the first game of the season, hand up, I thought Clemson would would handle Georgia. And just based on that game, and that that was the the one the one jumping off point to see you saw him in that game against Notre Dame and he was he was fantastic, honestly. Um, so yeah, just crazy that it the season went the way it did for him after after that one. Yeah, hard not to. And I, I do agree, Jake, looking at the schedule when you brought up the fact that they have NC State at home, they've got a home matchup for most of their quote unquote tougher games this year. Um, finishing off at South Carolina, which who knows how they're going to be with Spencer Rattler, a uh, home game against Miami the week before, which, you know, we can talk about the Canes here in a little bit, but, I mean, that should be a hell of a game. Their only tough away game is going to be at Notre Dame. And, you know, that's going to be two teams with two really good D-lines going at it. So, I mean, that one's probably going to be just an absolute slugfest. And it's um, November in South Bend, too. You know it's going to be raining with Jason Garrett calling that game. He can't wait to clap on the mic. I, oh my god, I, I'm I'm not looking forward to Jason Garrett being an analyst. And that's like <laughs> I could maybe stomach him being the play-by-play guy. Like I, I could I could maybe you know live with that. But the fact that he's going to be the analyst is just maybe he proves me wrong. But I don't. Yeah, that's just going to be a tough one. That's going to be. That's I'm not be saying it. No, I'm not I'm either. Not I'm so, looking forward to him trying to pr- to pronounce DJ Ugalele and just butcher it over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one for anybody. And, yeah, Jason, I don't know if he's up to snuff for that one. But, okay, so looking at the win total for Clemson, uh, it's 10.5 per Caesar Sportsbook. And taking a look at the schedule here, I they're good, they can only lose one. That's a really tight window. Yeah, it is. I, I think they definitely lose at Notre Dame. Um, so then you're you're setting it up for one game. I mean, Wake. I think the Wake game's the one that kind of trap. That yeah, I don't know. It, it's just so many unknowns with regards to the Sam Hartman. I don't know what the situation is there. If they have Sam Hartman, I think that the offense could click just enough for Wake where they could beat Clemson because I I know Wake has, has struggled on defense for a while, but. I, their offense is just going to be so good if Hartman and, and A.T. Perry are, are hooking up on, you know, 10 plays a game. So Yeah, they can definitely put up points against Clemson. That's, I mean, those those trap games, those ones that are in between your big ones, those yeah. have those are the ones that have the potential to actually do something. And even the Boston College game, like Phil Jakovic is going to be the starting quarterback at Boston College, and yeah. he, he was a transfer for the from 10th the year. Yeah. yeah, the 10th year. He's, he's been around a while, but he's um, – yeah. He's getting a lot of first-round buzz. I don't necessarily see that, but he is a good quarterback. 
So anybody with a good quarterback, if, they, if especially if they're mobile and they can actually get out of the pocket, which they're going to have to against that Clemson D-line, uh, they've got a chance to beat them, I think. Uh, I would, for me per- personally, my prediction is going to be I lean under for that 10.5 win total. Um, I do think they're going to lose at Notre Dame just with the benefit of it being in South Bend. And then I think the other one that they are going to drop is – either Miami or NC State. So NC State's returning probably their best team that they've had in who knows how long, maybe since Russell. Oh, yeah. But um, but so that's going to be a veteran team that, you know, it's going to be a home game at Clemson, so who knows how that's going to go. But they've got a really good shot to win. I think 10 feels about right, which is why I'm going to ride with the under just to be safe. But by no means does that mean that I don't think they can still win the conference while taking oh. the under, so – Oh, absolutely not. I don't see – personally, I don't see any other team that's going to win the conference from them. And if they play either NC State or Miami again in the conference championship, I think they're going to have their answers for them the next time around. Yep. So I, I'm going to take the under. Jake, you're going to take the under. How about you, Pat? Yeah, I'm on the under as well. I think, you know, it's a tight window, as, as yeah. we've all said, with the Notre Dame game. It just feels like there's going to be one more probably trip up in there. So. Yeah. And it's not even that Clemson's a bad team either. It's just that over-under is so high. Yeah, I would only trust that with, you know, Alabama. I think it's Alabama's 10 and a half or 11. Yeah, I think, there's gonna, take the... yeah, I think Alabama and Ohio State are both at 11. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, yeah, that's tough. But, yeah, no, Clemson's going to be a really good ball team this year. They're going to be fun to watch. Uh, and if they get their quarterback situation figured out, I would not be surprised at all to see them either hit the, uh, hit the over and win 11 or go undefeated. So, yeah. We're just going to have to see how that goes. Moving on, we're going to hit up the Florida State Seminoles. And the Seminoles are a team that's in a little bit of flux right now. Um, did not have a great, great 2021. Uh, they started off their week one game against Notre Dame. Ended up going a lot closer than what some people thought it was going to be. But they really just kind of flubbed it at the end there. Um, no, no two ways about it. Um, trying to find their best win from last year. And it's... <laughs> I mean, if you're talking margin of victory, it's against UMass, which, you know, big whoop. Uh, but not there, Tiller. I, I think they're worse <laughs> than like 20 teams. <laughs> I think they're worse than 20 teams in uh, the FCS. So. Yeah. Um, they beat North Carolina at North Carolina. So, I mean, that one might be there. I forgot about that. Yeah. They that had one. a very close loss to Notre Dame, if you want to count that as a – it was a, a moral <laughs> victory, as the Texas <laughs> said down in Tallahassee. Oh yeah, was, yeah. After they after they dropped it, wait, did they lose it? Was it Jacksonville State they lost to? Yep, the Jacksonville, the Gamecocks. Yeah, yeah. the other Gamecocks. Yeah, so, yeah. so that would be the low point I would say for their season. Um, yeah, tough to come off of a really really heartbreaking loss at home to Notre Dame and then just completely, I mean, shit the bed is really the only word for it against Jackson yeah. State. But yeah, not a great season last year. Um, they're hoping to turn it around, but honestly, I just don't really see it. Yeah. It's, like, I don't think they're going to be, you know, man, I don't know. They could end up being fine, but I just think there are so many question marks on that roster right now that I I don't know if they're going to end up having really an improvement at all from last year. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of question marks, a lot of transfer talent. Before we get serious about it, they have a coach – 
that had cornrows and is a white guy in college. So I don't even know how we can start from there. He has bad decision-making. I'm not really sure about, you know, Mike Norvell as, as a yeah. person. It's a, It was an awful look. So that, that weird, that's where I want to start. But um, there was yeah, the just weird a uh, text controversy in, in 2022. Oh, yeah. The entire team, basically. Um, yeah. But, I mean, like you said, it's like it's it's a pressure cooker year for Mike Norvell but at the same time uh the fan base is already still paying Willie Taggart 4 4.25 million a year until 2024 so um have fun with Norvell Tallahassee um uh I just I don't know where they go from here I know they're trying to build something because they are such a historic program but I think the fan base just like sets itself on fire from expectations it's like playing in a big market in the pros um I think that they have that that game against LSU, and it's considered a neutral site, but it's in New Orleans. And I think that just because Florida State looks oh itself on the same level as a program like LSU, um, I think it's going to determine their season. Like I know it's it's just like one game, but it's pretty much worth five. Yeah, those neutral site games, the quote unquote neutral site games, are just those are just ass. I mean, it's like I what Oregon and Georgia are playing at the Georgia Dome this year. Like, yeah, and LSU gets to play very in neutral. New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. New, like, it's ridiculous. You know, like the world's largest cocktail party where that's in Jacksonville. It's pretty equidistant from Athens and Gainesville, or at least like, you know, more close in distance. And that one, that's a neutral side game that's fun. And, you know, like the Red River shootout, like those are fun matchups. Um, but these, like, Florida is traveling so far to basically just play at LSU. That's just a tough beat for him. Um, yeah, Norvell, he's he's kind of had a rough offseason. Um, you know, losing Travis Hunter on signing day to an FCS school, the number one recruit in the nation. Just how do you recover from that? Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't I don't know what all went into that other than a, a crazy NIL deal or, or something of the sort. But yeah, never never good luck if you're losing uh, the number one recruit too to somebody like Jackson, Jackson State. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see where they go from here, just, like, looking at their roster. Just a lot of transfer talent on offense. Um, uh, they have the their, their two best players, on one on offense, one on defense. One is from Louisville and one is from South Carolina. So I have a little insight with regards to Jamie Robinson, great defensive player. I mean, he's definitely going to be their leader on defense. Um, I think a lot of people at South Carolina were upset to see him go when when the coaching change went down with Muschamp getting fired. And on the other side, I think, you know, Louisville fans were pretty torn up when Jordan Travis decided to leave Louisville. So um, I haven't heard as great of returns on Jordan Travis at quarterback. I don't know if he's the answer for them there, but it is interesting to uh, see how he can do. I know, you know, they have several transfer wide receivers that came in, I think three different ones. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. They're not going about it the traditional way. They're going at more, and the uh, the Michigan State way of things, you know, trying to reload quickly, um, not by uh, conventional means. So, you know, it could go any which way in terms of, you know, this season. So, Yeah. And those are going to be interesting case studies to, to see if building through the portal is actually efficient and effective. Um, Florida State, I don't know if is, is going to be the best case study for this, but I think Michigan State, you know, in the long run, that's going to be a really interesting experiment. But – 
one potential negative with bringing so many players through the portal, especially skill position players, is if there's a big schematic difference in what you're running from where they came from, that can lead to some really, really slow developing chemistry. And when you need to start off as early as they do with some wins, I don't know if they have the time for that. Yeah, um, I mean, coming right out of the gate, it's just, I mean, it's super tough. I guess they have that week zero game, which I didn't notice. They're playing Duquesne, Duquesne. so I guess you can yeah. work. Yeah, you can work out some kinks there before you get you, some uh, uh, morale built up whenever you need to. Yeah, I actually don't hate that for them, how that sets up getting a week zero game. But then from there it is it is tough sledding. I mean, I don't if they don't if they don't beat LSU, do they I don't know when they win their first game, Georgia Tech at the end of October, because I don't I don't know if they beat Louisville at Louisville. I don't I mean Boston College isn't for sure, Wake Forest isn't for sure. NC, they're not beating NC State and NC State. Clemson's probably not going to lose to them. So, I mean, it could be a brutal, brutal start, um, would, you know, before they before they get a W. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're on the road for Louisville, NC State, Miami. And then I, I also just don't even like their matchup against Louisiana. That's in November right before Florida. Yeah, Monroe, I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough one for our home with Billy Napier. And he definitely did a really good job building that program up. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, they could start off two and six or three and five. And if you're a program with the expectations that Florida State fans have, that ain't going to get it done. No. I mean, I guess there's maybe three for sure wins on their schedule, Georgia Tech. If you want to say locks, Georgia Tech at home, Syracuse away. I don't – Syracuse is awful. And then, yeah. you know, Louisiana. But outside of that, every other game is – a toss up or a loss. Yep. Definitively, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, that that that's tough. It's a tough lean. And I mean, outside of Duquesne, Louisiana, and though like, you know, I would probably give them those wins too, honestly. But yeah, that's just a brutal schedule for a team that's in flux right now. And I don't know the specifics of Norvell's contract or anything like that, but I imagine they're probably looking a little heavily elsewhere right now to see if they have a replacement in mind. It is through 2026. Okay, so that'd be a pretty hefty buyout then. Yeah. Yeah, I think in it, December, so I think at some point you have to let it play out with one of these coaches. You can't just keep, you know, running through coaches after 2 years. I know it's been unfortunate circumstances several times with, in terms of, you know, losses that have happened or know that first season but I think at some point you have to let it play out a little bit instead of you know making it this pressure cooker where it's two years and you're out I mean you're just never going to build a program that way this yeah is bed. you got to sleep in it Tallahassee <laughs> yeah. yeah I think it, I think a head coach at the college level needs at least three years I mean especially if they're tasked with building a program like if it's somebody that you know takes over at I don't know, Ohio State or Alabama or something like that. I can see the leash being a little shorter just with the amount yeah. of talent that they already have on the roster. But with a team like Florida State where they don't have a ton of high-end talent on the roster that they need to build up, then you got to get the coach three years at least. I will say one thing I didn't know about Week Zero is that teams that play Week Zero games actually get a second bye. So I was not aware of that. I found that out pretty not recently. Yeah, so I, th I think that's going to be interesting. Because I'm trying to find where the I would. It looks like it's in between that Clemson and Georgia, 
Georgia Tech game. So yeah. they'll be uh, they'll be mighty prepared for uh, lots of culture you know, building before they play Georgia Tech. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yeah, they get a buy in between LSU and Louisville. It looks like as well because there's a there's a twelve day gap there. So I would imagine that that's that's their first buy, and then their second buy is going to be between Clemson and Georgia State, like you said, Pat. So I mean that. That buy could come in a really good spot, especially after a Clemson loss, give them a chance to retool. But let's take a look at the win total this year, and it's seven. That's a lot for this team. Um, Hammer in the under. Yeah. Let's see. I mean, yeah, do- and unless I'm missing something, that's that just seems like a no-brainer under. But yeah, they might be giving them a couple games for home field. But like I see Syracuse, Louisiana, Duquesne. Georgia Tech, and Syracuse. after that, and Syracuse, yeah. So that's five. The rest are toss-ups, and they're so dysfunctional of a program right now that I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, even with home field, like the the games that they do are at home against Boston College is probably the one that they're the most likely to win out of all of those because they've got ranked Wake Forest and then Clemson. And, yeah, I, I'm hitting the under on that one pretty comfortably. Yeah. That, that's tough. So, Jake, you said you're hitting the under as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, two consent, two consensus picks right now for the over/under <laughs> so far. Um, we might get into a few here where there's going to be a little bit of debate. So, let's talk about the NC State Wolfpack. Um, they they are going to be a really good team this year. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, a team that can they're contend for you know the ACC or anything like that. But I think they are going to end up being a very good football team. And especially when you look at some of the teams that they've had in the past, I, I just think it's going to be a really solid roster. Yeah. I mean, with 17 starters returning, that's obviously the biggest storyline here with regards to NC state and, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the sport and, and definitely really so, um, you know, I have my doubts about Dave Dorian, but, 17 returning starters and a lot of them being you know really great players uh should be a great season for them yeah i mean i've said it before a couple times here on these past couple conference previews but experience is one of the most underrated things when it comes to to evaluating these teams talent levels uh you will find a more experienced team sometimes will pull off some wins against those teams that maybe have a higher uh team ranking in the composite, but experience is a lot. Experience and age, um, you know, especially if a lot of those returning starters are linemen and you're playing a team that's maybe starting some freshmen or some sophomores, that just the age difference and just the difference in physical development can be huge between those positions. Yeah, and I think that really the only thing that, um, that I'm doubting about NC State this year is that they're NC State. Like they're they typically do not have this much returning talent. Like they're they're usually the team that is the hiccup game in a big spot for the Clemsons, the Florida States, and the Miamis whenever they're rolling in the conference. Like so we we just have this perception that they're the the intimidating underdog with like whenever they have the cool tongue wolf throwback logo under the lights. Like when you think about Jimmy V in basketball, but they have, I think that I'm looking at the schedule. They have a one loss ceiling um, with just the formula of the returning starters, this great defense and a great quarterback. And I think that that 
that alone always plays in college football. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I don't like them being on the road for Clemson. Like that's pretty much the yeah. only, the only real issue I have with the schedule outside of maybe, uh, I know they do play Louisville at the, the end of the season, right before North Carolina. Um, but I mean, it's outside of the Clemson game. I think they, they could be favored in every matchup. Yeah. I don't really see, I don't really see a game where they would necessarily open as an underdog as of right now. Um, yeah, the 2022 schedule They're, I mean, they're playing East Carolina who was decent a couple of years ago. Um, but besides that, it is not a whole lot going on. They got UConn, Charleston Southern, and Texas Tech, which, you know, Texas Tech can put up a lot of numbers, um, but they have no defense. So They're, they're going to be with a new head coach as well. That's in week three. He's still going to be trying to put it together. And on the road at NC State, it's a pretty tough task. Yeah, yeah, a lot of question marks around that program too, with regards to quarterback play and things like that. So I don't, I don't know if they have a shot to beat NC State. Yeah, that's a tough ask. But let's see what the over under is for them. It is eight and a half. So they need to go nine and three to get the. That would still be the over. So I see one loss that I'm pretty much locking in, and that's going to be the Clemson game. Having a tough time finding two more losses, like you guys said. Um, I think it's a yeah. Easy over, man. Yeah. yeah, I think Chapel Hill is the only other one where I could maybe see a stumble. I mean, the last two of the season and then the Wake game. But, yeah. I mean, they, they at least split those. I don't think they lose all Both three of, of those. Yeah. yeah, so I don't I don't really see – yeah, it seems like that, that number's – that's really over. That's really not that hard of a schedule either, honestly, because there's a couple more. No. Ranked, there's a couple more ranked teams in the SEC and the ACC, and they seem to miss them. Yeah, so, their non-conference yeah. is cake. Yeah, yeah. The first four games of the season. I mean, they should win all four of those pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. Going four and zero into the Clemson game, and you never know. I mean, that could that could be a kind of momentum boost that could end up powering them to something else. But I mean, I don't see it with it being at Clemson. But you never know. Um, yep. That being said, I am also going to pretty comfortably take the over on that win total. And yet another agreement. No, no <laughs> debate on these over-unders so far. So nope. we'll see about this next one, though. Uh, it's the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Wake had a pretty good year last year. I think uh, I think if you're a Wake fan, you're going you're looking at last year and being pretty happy with how that ended up ended up going for them. Yeah, I mean their best season probably since that Orange Bowl season that they uh, they made and was it um, 2006? I think that was the last time they had been to you know had that that kind of standing in the country. Um, so yeah, definitely will be interesting. I guess the biggest storyline here is, is Sam Hartman being out as of right now for non medical reasons. Um, whatever that may be, they're saying that he, uh, you know, he'll be back at some point in the season, but I uh, was looking into uh, just a little more information based on the backup quarterback who's coming in. I think he's a redshirt sophomore junior and he, he threw two passes last season and completed all of 11 the season before. So now we're looking at, you know, a pretty unknown quantity coming into a, a talented offense. I don't know if he can come in and, and do the same thing Sam Hartman can by any means, but he does have some pieces around him that should be able to bail him out at, at some point in the season. So, Yeah, I honestly don't even 
know how to project Wake's season just because the Sam Hartman injury is just so weird, especially they haven't even specified what it is because it's non-football related. And for it to not be uh, clarified, it's it's just really concerning. I I hope that everything is okay. And I I just – I don't know if it's, like, just career-threatening or um, if it's a non-issue, but if if quarterback is a position that they're having to – um, to be in flux with with any of the backups, um, I one would have to think they're going to just pound it on the ground, right? Uh, I mean, I'm looking right now and they have a four star running back that's a newcomer, um, and they have a relatively easy schedule is what I'm looking at too. Um, I like their start. Uh, their start of the season is. Um, VMI, the cadets that ring any bells to you, you fellas? Know <laughs> who they are? Another liberty. Didn't know VMI had a football team. I'll be honest. There, um, they're going to get a pretty good paycheck. I would assume. Nothing wrong with that. So, I mean that that will get whatever quarterback is playing under center in into a rhythm. Like playing the the cadets at Vandy to start your year off is is some pretty easy reps. I would say. Yeah, and it looks like uh, you know they're returning four on the offensive line and have some running backs that can can definitely carry the load. Um, I think that honestly, it might be better for them in this way just because the defense was so bad for them last year. I don't know if you guys remember uh, who was it that they played? Um, was it Army? Army or, it was Army. Yeah, the Army. That Army game was. I mean, their their defense was honestly embarrassing. Uh, I'd never seen something like that. That was so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, what happens some, there? They go ahead. No, I was gonna say that was some Big Twelve shit. That 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 <laughs> yeah. Forest Army game. Like, I'm looking at it right now. The final score was seventy to fifty six. Yeah, it was it was a crazy game to watch, and it'll be interesting. Also, they're they're bringing in this new coordinator, Brad Lambert. Um, you know, who massively improved the Purdue defense last year. Was only there for a year before uh, jumping ship to come to to wake uh and looking at his background he was also the defensive coordinator at wake from 2008 to 2010 so he's returning as a defensive coordinator um you know 12 years later um to a place he's been before so you know maybe that'll be helpful as well in terms of you know just being comfortable um but yeah it looks like he has a good background and maybe change some things up for them and, and make them compete on that side of the ball one would hope um yeah, I mean that defense last year was rough. Anytime you give up fifty six points to Army, like I, I don't know if Army scored fifty six points in a three game stretch any other time. So that's uh, that's pretty brutal. But it does seem like Dave Clawson's doing a pretty good job. Uh, it looks like he's got a pretty sound culture, at least at Wake Forest. If the talent may not necessarily be there. Yeah, the vibes are high, which is what's very important whenever you're having some fluctuation at the. Uh, positions of something as as critical as quarterback, you know. Yeah, and that that announcement with Hartman was just insane. Like, you know, first they announced that he was just out indefinitely, and people were speculating that maybe it was a life threatening injury. Like, I know that was my I, that was my first thought when I saw it was like non football, and you know, just hoping the kid's okay. But then, you know. Not too long after that, saying that, oh, he's probably going to be back this season. We just don't know when. Like, it's going to be interesting if more information ever comes out about that to see what exactly happened there. Yeah. And that kind of 
you know, with the the over under win totals, I don't even know where you go there. I, I, is it on the board anywhere in Vegas at this point? I feel like that would be a number that you wouldn't even want to have out there just for the fact that, you know, <laughs> there's yeah, so that's much. Like unknown one one that they would take off in some circumstances. Yeah, it yeah, did. That, I, be- I believe they did at one point. I don't know if it's back up, but I do remember hearing that they, that they had been taken off of most of the big books. Yeah, that that's a tough one to predict. I'm gonna I'm gonna check right now and see if it's if it's coming up for for me. That's I just don't even know where to where to start there. It would yeah. you know such a big yeah. It looks like it's at seven. It's at seven. Um, so point. it went down from eight and a half. Um, so point and a half swing. I yeah. mean that that's about right when you're losing a veteran starting quarterback. Yeah, and that Vandy game could could easily be an L as, as bad as Vandy is if you don't, if you have a quarterback that's played all of you know 30 snaps and a couple of games i don't know how you how you quantify that that could be a, a loss so. yeah i think that unless harmony comes back within the first two weeks i'm taking the under just out of sheer unknown yeah i mean i think you could talk yourself into games that wake forest would win with hartman at the helm but Without him there, I mean, games like North Carolina, games like, you know, NC State, even Louisville and Boston College, like, those turn into toss-ups. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to say. Yeah. Can you imagine if you bet the under, like, right before that news came out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody got lucky out there. Uh, some bookie got pissed off, too. Oh, yeah. But – yeah, so taking a look at the schedule. So after they start off with that VMI Vandy Liberty opener, they've got Clemson at home, which I, I think Hartman or not, they're losing that one. Yeah, I would I would say that's the case. Florida yeah. State away. I mean, again, we just don't know with how they're how they're structured right now. Yeah, um, and then they'll get another crack at Army. Hopefully, they won't get above fifty six points again. So. Yeah, because I don't know if they can score seventy without Hartman there. So. <laughs> Maybe they can score fifty seven, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see on that one. But yeah, so with their win total sitting at seven now, I mean, man, dropping a game and a half, I still don't know if I'm comfortable taking an over on that. Um, yeah, yeah definitely. I'm just it's just stay away, but I'll say. It. I'll just say under. So yeah, yeah. If if people are wanting advice or recommendations, I would say just don't bet this. But um, since since I am going to force us to make picks here, I'm going to take the under as well. Man, this is tough. Uh, I think I'll take the over here. Just because there I we go. The Hartman. I think Hartman will will come back, and I still think they're good enough to win to win some games here. So I'll take the over. Yeah. So okay. Well, that. About sums up Wake Forest, uh, it's pretty much all going to be on Hartman's shoulders how their season turns out, I think. With that being said, let's move on. Let's move up north a little further. Hit up Boston College, the Golden Eagles. I think that's right, right? That is correct. So they are – I mean, I don't don't know what to make of Boston College, honestly, besides the fact that they might – end up being bowl eligible um that's about that's about all we can really predict at this point and i don't even know how i feel about that one yeah i mean they are what they are you know jerkovich i don't think jerkovich is that that fantastic but they they have a great running back and um 
Pat Grazzo and an O-line that's returning most everyone. So, you know, they, they're going to be able to pound the rock and I feel like Phil can, can make the passes when, when called upon. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, I think they're, they're just bum average. I don't, I don't know if they're going to do anything that surprises us or, or lets us down at the same time. So look, let, let's just be real here. It's, it's a good quarterback returning to a bad team. And that good quarterback had a season threatening injury last year. And, He's going to have a completely new offensive line. All five are brand new. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they were 96th in pass rushing. Um, so even DJU is going to have plenty of time back there. Uh, this is a conference that we just discussed, a team that scored 70 points. Um, and they were 96th in pass, pass rush. And I don't know if I need to say anything more, fellas. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's it's looking tough for Boston College. Um they've got and they don't necessarily have the easiest draw out of their conference schedule this year. So they are playing just looking at some of the bigger names they're playing. They're gonna be playing Louisville, they're gonna be playing Clemson, Wake, NC State, and for their last quote unquote big conference game, they have Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Um, I would personally chalk all five of those as losses right now. Yeah, I feel like there's not many toss-ups for them in the schedule. I mean, they have some games that are probably wins. I mean, Duke's a win. Syracuse yep. is probably a win. Maine is a win, and, and Rutgers could be a win as well. So I feel like there's not many toss-ups. It's a lot of uh, pretty definitive results here um, in terms of uh, you know wins and losses. I, at UConn, I, w- I would hope they beat UConn. That would be that'd be mighty embarrassing to lose to UConn. So I can't they are just so solely the punching bag get right game for the big programs. Yeah. I didn't even know Maine had a, had an FB. Are they FBX or are they FCS? Uh, yeah, they're FCS. I don't they're FCS. Okay. It's <laughs> about to say the black bears. It's a cool looking logo for them, but um, they do have a good look. Yeah. But I think the only two toss up games really that are going to be at Virginia Tech and at Florida State. Um, and that's all going to depend on how Jacobic plays. If he ends up playing up to this hype as a first-round pick, then they could win at least eight. If not, they may struggle to get that sixth win. Um, you know, traveling to Florida State, you, you know, as much as we were just dogging on the, that program, playing at Florida State is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world, especially when you are a lower talent tier program like Boston College is. Right. Yeah. Same they thing with the game that will save Mike Norvell. It might be. And then going to Blacksburg, going to Virginia Tech. I mean, that's I mean, that's not an easy ask. And then they they've just got a they had just got a bear of a draw for, for their conference schedule this year, honestly. Um Rutgers, I don't think they're gonna have any problem with really. I, I think Jacoby is a good enough player to take advantage of the You're not a Shiano man. I long term, I think he could be good for them. If he can convince the boosters to actually start spending money, then I think he could be good for them. But this year, I just don't see it with them. But I mean, the long story short is they've got a quarterback, Boston College does, who's going at least day two in the draft. That covers up a lot of talent deficiencies. Yeah. So their over under win total is set at six flat. 
I hate when Vegas does flat numbers instead of uh, instead of my halves because <laughs> that push is always probably going to be the right answer. So yeah, it's one I would I would definitely not take either way. It just yeah. seems like six is exactly the right number. I guess I guess I would you know gun to my head. I'm going to take the over, but yeah, I don't yeah. really what what is there to do there? I, they're just a very average football team. I'm going to take the under. I went through the schedule and counted the wins. I think Rutgers might be the, that toss-up game just solely out of home field advantage. Then, I mean, just looking at the rest, it's like Maine, UConn on the road even then. <laughs> I don't know if the Huskies are going to trip them up. Uh, and then home for Syracuse, home for Duke. And, like, that's still the under ultimately. So, Yeah. I think seven wins is more likely than five. So, again, if I had to pick one, I mean, if I didn't have to pick, I would take the push. But if I had to pick an over and under, I'd probably go over uh, just because I think, as, assuming Jerkovic plays up to his billing, you know, even even beyond the first round hype thing, like even if you're just expecting him to be a good quarterback that's going to get drafted, uh, I think they can win either at Virginia Tech or at Florida State. So I, I'm going to take the over on that one. And that's all there is about Boston College. Next up, we have one of the powerhouses of the Atlantic division, the Syracuse orange. Lots to say about this football program. What a stinker of a program. <laughs> yeah. Dino, Dino Babers is just completely, you know, shut the bed with, with this program. It seemed like he was, he was the answer after, you know, the first year and it just has been, I, I can't, I don't, why, why is he still there? I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's not many answers in terms of, you know, creating a football program there in the first place. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say more than that. <laughs> They're the bottom of, of this division and possibly the worst team in the conference outside of Duke. Strong possibility. On their schedule, I think I might only favor them against UConn and Wagner. So, yeah, I was looking through that schedule and I was like, well, I don't know what games I'm going to, I'm going to pick them to win um they're certainly not going to be bowl eligible unless you know something crazy happens was that last year where they they took clemson down to the wire ah uh, yes i think it was because i think dju was around when that that all occurred everybody was was wondering what was going on with uh, i think that was the the alarm bells were going off for clemson at that point yeah and <sighs> See, I thought it was Lawrence that had a really struggling game against them at Syracuse, but maybe it was DJU. Yeah, uh, it looks like uh, that Syracuse missed a, a field goal late, but they only lost by three. So, yeah, it was a, it was a tight one down the stretch there uh, last year in uh, yeah. Syracuse, New York. That's brutal. But I don't think they're going to get cl- that close this year. Um, no. Yeah, that's well back in the under, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it has to be. Uh, this kind of turns into find the wins here. Um, yeah, UConn, or, yeah, UConn and Wagner, uh, and that's it. Yeah, that's like, what I was okay, totally the first. In terms of locks, I mean, those I think those are the only two that you can really lock them into. If we want to go to a second tier of toss-ups that they might have an advantage in, um, I don't even really necessarily believe any of these, but can maybe talk yourself into Florida State having trouble going up north, playing in the cold. It's November there. It gets a little colder. Um, 
could talk yourself into Purdue maybe struggling with the travel, Virginia, but I think Louisville could too as well. I don't think there's uh, one Louisville fan, fan out there that's not a little bit nervous about going up there for the first game, just Week being one. a conventional game and the Carrier Dome, and I don't know, it's just you know first game jitters. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they get to four, but there's a pathway there in terms of you know it being such a, a weird game having to travel up to the Carrier Dome and play them, and they do have some experienced guys on offense, so I guess you'd never know, but goodness. Yeah, I mean, the experience can take you some places, but when you are that talent deficient, like it's hard for even experience to to make up for that. So, yeah, I mean, do we really want to go into that much depth with Syracuse or do we just guys just want to skip to the part where we take the under? Yeah, I think we I think we uh, go to the part where we take the under here. Yeah. So the over under total is four and I'm fairly confident even with three locks as a, as wins that they're not gonna get more than that yeah i think i think the under is is the play at, at i mean at best they get four wins getting to five is gonna be tough yeah two and ten <laughs> that's all i have to say two and ten yeah they're they're gonna be they're gonna be real bad so sorry syracuse you guys are gonna unfortunately you guys are gonna be awful this year so we're just gonna go. We're just gonna move right on past that. We're it's actually take... moved to four and a half. Funny enough, four and a half. Oh, I feel even better about. I it don't know. Am I am a... I missing? Am I missing something? Because that's a good vibe. Practice wake maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe all their donors have been taking the Syracuse over in hopes. I don't know how it's four and a half, but uh, yeah. Moving on from uh, yeah, the Syracuse Orange. I think the only way that that could happen maybe is with Hartman going out. Their window went up by half a game. Yeah. So yeah. don't feel don't feel great. I feel even better about that line, honestly. Hammer that under because <laughs> even if they manage to win four, then they're not there's there's no way get they're getting five. And I feel I feel really good about that one. So we're gonna wrap the Atlantic up with Pat's hometown team, the Louisville Cardinals. So Pat, why don't you take us into how uh, how last season went? Some big moves this offseason and how the how the prognosis is looking. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's night and day between that attitude after the 2021 season and, and coming into the 2022 season. And that's mostly uh, with uh, the recruits the here. Um, Satterfield, you know, 2021 wasn't great in terms of every element of the team, but um, got some great recruits coming in for the 2023 class. And it's all about sustaining that um, that positivity and bringing it into this season. I don't think anybody foresees and wants to see a world in which Satterfield's on the hot seat again. It was definitely a hot rumor after the the last season that maybe it was time for him to go. He had flirted with some schools in the past, whether that be South Carolina or um, some other schools. So I think that look is, is definitely changed. Whether that means they're actually going to be better this season, you know, that's that's up for debate. But, uh, you know, there are some pieces with Malik Cunningham coming back, um, Mitchell and the transfer running back Tyon Evans, who who was pretty highly regarded coming out of college or out of high school um, and went to junior college and it's now uh, showed up at Louisville and had a really good fall camp. So excited to see him uh, with regards to the wide receivers. A lot of losses, obviously, Tyler Harrell uh, went to Alabama and a few other guys got drafted. 
So it will be interesting to see what's happening on that side of the ball. But Cunningham, yeah, I don't think his ceiling's high, but I don't think that he's he's that bad either. He's just he's Malik Cunningham. He is what he is, um, like most players that are in their sixth year of, of college football. Um, you know what you have there. Um, and on the defensive end, definitely interesting. They've struggled at times, but I think there's some pieces uh, that can definitely help them, especially the linebacking unit. Um, definitely a, a strength there, and maybe they can they can figure out some things there. But uh, yeah, the outlook should be you know six, seven wins. I think they have to get there in terms of turning this program around because the recruiting class is just so, so good that you want to keep these pieces here. So I think there's definitely some pressure on Satterfield, but he has proven that he can win in the past with this program. Uh, just had a blip on the radar maybe, and maybe this season will will be a bit better because it needs to be. Yeah, no, Louisville, at least for this 2023 recruiting class, they've, they've been hot on the trail. They've raided California for some really good prospects. So uh, I think – Louisville fans are definitely wanting Satterfield to stay probably at least until they get that class figured out. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be an easy road, but we'll see what happens this year. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I know uh, they hired Lance Taylor away from Notre Dame. He was Notre Dame's running backs coach and he took over as the offensive coordinator, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, he is there. Uh, I think there's definitely been a good amount of hype around him. Um, I'm not sure how involved he's been in with the recruiting. I think that's been mostly some connections within, you know, the recruits that have already committed that have, have brought in some other guys yeah. as opposed to anybody on the staff who's doing something. But uh, yeah, I, everything that I've heard about Lance Taylor is, has been great. So hopefully he can, he can fix some things. Um, Malik's, as I've said, he's Malik. So I don't know how much more he can do. But he's definitely a guy that can, you know, scratch out seven wins for a team with, you know, the talent they have. So. Yeah. Have you heard? Uh, have you heard if there's going to be any schematic change on offense for them? I I actually don't know in terms of that. That's a that's a great question. I I've, I've not looked into that too much with regards to uh, changing things on on offense. So okay. I, I, I mean, it, it was clicking. It was clicking. It was always pretty good with with Malik. He just is prone to mistakes. Um, you know, inaccurate at times. I don't think it it has to do anything with, you know, schematics as much as just being more of a consistent football player. But yeah. can you really be more consistent after six years? You are who you are, I think. So. Right. I think with the the new OC coming over from Notre Dame, I, it would be awesome to see Cunningham get some more play action um, just because of how well and how much I loved seeing our running backs at Notre Dame develop um, like with Kyron last year, obviously. Um, and I think that would really open up the offense for Malik Cunningham instead of having to do it all by himself. And especially now that like, it could open it up for the crazy wide receiver recruits that Louisville's been getting in uh, in recently as well. Yeah, yeah. They, they'll definitely have some pieces down the road that'll they'll be better for them in, in that sense. And they have two guys at running back that can definitely, you know, shoulder the load. I mean, they have a guy that returned with a 700 yards and then and then Theon Evans, who's who's highly regarded and has looked great in camp. So hopefully some things to, you know, be safety valves for, um, you know, losing some guys at wide receiver and from a week um, to, you know, settle into games and things like that. So, yeah. 
So looking at their schedule right now, um, it's got a pretty decent – it's actually not too easy of a schedule the more I look at it. Um, yeah. Starts off not too bad. I mean, they're, they're opening four are – Syracuse, UCF, Florida State, and South Florida, uh, those last two being at home. Um, I think UCF might be the toughest of those four games, honestly. At the bounce house. Yeah. So that, I mean, I, I would expect them to go 4 0, 3 uh, 1 at worst going into their matchup against Boston College, which I think is probably going to be their first uh, actual test since it is going to be in Boston. Um, yeah, it's. That one is it's gonna it's be tricky. Yeah. Cause the last shit, the last six games on their schedule are all not gimmies at best. Um, even James Madison. James Madison's a really, really good team. Um that could easily be a trap game in between Wake Floor in between Wake Forest and looking ahead to play Clemson. Um that might be that might be a really, really tra- trappy trap game. Yeah, I think there's a lot of games on the schedule that are toss-ups for them. Uh, you know, UCF's obviously not easy, but then at BC, at UVA, at UVA, those are both games against, you know, middle-of-the-road ACC opponents, but having to play them on the road as opposed to home, those aren't gimmies anymore. So, yeah. you know, I, I then the hardest ones are, or I, I guess Clemson's at Clemson, but NC State's at home. I mean, that's that's not an easy one either. So I think, uh-uh. and, and, I, and they're not going to, they're probably not going to be Kentucky at, at Kentucky. I just, I just don't see it with, you know, the way things have gone over the years lately. So yeah, it's, it's by no means an easy schedule. I, I, it's not even easy picking out, you know, they're for sure wins. I think they get to six, but I, in what manner they do that is, you know, anybody's guess, I think. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it, I mean, is probably going to depend on their opponents. Um I would pencil those first four games in as wins. I don't see any of those teams. UCF and Florida State might make it close, but I don't think they have what it takes to actually pull the wins out there. Uh, Their over-under is six on the dot, so a push would be bull bounds. And I think they can get a fifth win out of James Madison, even though James Mm -hmm. Madison is a very good team. I think them being at home is going to help. And then, honestly, they can probably – they could split those win. four in the middle. Yeah. They split yeah. those four in the middle. Like they win one of those on the road, maybe both. And then they can beat Pitt or Wake at home, I would say. So I think so many of these are toss ups that it's going to even out to where six is too low of a number for me to not want to take the over. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm honestly, I'm not super high on Pitt just from an offensive standpoint. So I, I think they're going to get us at least a six win out of that. And then look awake. They could probably be wake too, especially if Hartman's out. So um, personally, I'm going to take the over on that one and I'm going to feel better than I thought I would looking at the back half of that schedule about taking that over. Yeah. I think I fall in the over category, absolutely a little bit biased, but I, I think they, <laughs> they can get there. Oh, so. there's nothing wrong with being a little bit, a little bit biased. Just wait till we get to the gives end. You, gives you hope. <laughs> So that wraps up the Atlantic Conference. So we're going to flip it on over to the Coastal, which the Coastal close, the coastal can be a mess sometimes. Uh, they went through a streak where seven teams won that division in as many years. So crazy. Yeah, and honestly, looking at these win totals, like all but two of them could do it again. 
So uh, this one actually might be one of the more fun divisions to watch in football. That's not when you're not talking about like, you know, the SEC West or the Big Ten East or something like that. You know, ones that actually where you have some competition there. But we're not going to start with those teams that can win. We're going to start with the bottom of the barrel. We're going to go to the basketball school, the Duke Blue Devils. Are we sure they're a basketball school, Tiller? Uh, <laughs> oh, the, the devil coach K is gone, so maybe Mr. not. K. Yeah, I'm sure he probably. Yeah, is there, is there much to say about this team? I I no. I, I, I can't get her on more than two sentences about no, uh, where this program's going. Um, Downhill. You know, yeah, I mean they they're not bringing back a, a starting quarterback, running back, or one of their best wide receivers. Two of those transferred, and one left for the NFL. And they they have a defense that allowed forty six points a game last season. I mean, I I don't know, I don't know where they go. It's an awful, awful. Thing. Yeah, not- with all the Kentucky news, um, in terms of there's a rivalry within their own university. Um, I'm looking forward to Duke being um, the first team to only win two games and still claim their football school. Just <laughs> your finances. It whatever makes them the money. But uh, yeah. Do you have much insight into this into this new head coach, Mike Elko? Uh, he he coach he was the DC at Notre Dame for one year. I I don't really know anything more about him, but. Uh, yeah, he he was there for one year, and then was the DC at A and M. So yeah. I don't I don't know much more than that. But that that was interesting that he was was at Notre Dame for you know a pretty pretty big position. So yeah, so he so he did spend one year at Notre Dame, and you know he was okay. Like if you look at the metrics, he was pretty middle of the pack as defensive coordinator goes, which isn't necessarily what you want when you're a program that fancies itself a title contender, but. He went to AM and he definitely did a good job. Um, his 2020 defense was ninth in total defense, second in rushing defense. So he had a really good defense at AM that year. Um, his last year at AM, they were 20th in total defense. So uh, he's, he's a decent coordinator. Um, he's just got a really tall ask to turn this Duke program around. I mean, it's kind of like, him and Clark Lee, just former Notre Dame coordinators that just really have some bad beats going on. But I'm hoping Mike Elko hasn't said anything like he hopes he wants things Duke can uh, contend for a national title in football. <laughs> I hope he hasn't yeah, said anything like that. Yeah, I would hope not either. Let's not go to those levels of, of optimism. But, you know, Cutcliffe was sneaky one of the best college football coaches for the situation in the same yeah. vein as as Mike Stoops or somebody like that where you know you go into a situation where whether it's a basketball school or a tough conference and and overachieved um I don't think it's easy to follow up the best coach and and you know program history in any college sport you know and this is you know the task that's been laid before him and usually these kind of people don't don't succeed. So well, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Yeah. I have a quote from the Duke president and uh, speaking on their new coach, he says, uh, most importantly, he brings with him an unwavering commitment to the academic and personal success of his student athletes. Uh, so he's going to coach up some nerds. Yeah. I mean, that's to be expected. Have a fun time. 
Nerds playing football, that's fine. I mean, I think it I think it is gonna be a project to turn Duke around. I mean, and shit, they weren't that far removed from winning a bowl game. I mean yeah. it's cra- it's crazy the drop off, but looking ahead at their schedule, the, the weird thing about their schedule this year is that looking at their opponents, there's a lot of winnable games, like objectively winnable games, but knowing that it's Duke that's playing them. Their win, their over under win total is three and a half, and I like I can talk myself into into winning four, but I don't know if I believe it. It'll have to be in the first yeah. half. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they beat Northwestern at Northwestern. I know they're not great, but that one's going to be tough. Yeah, Kansas isn't is is Kansas a gimme? Do we know that for sure? Like seriously. Can- I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that Georgia Tech's a gimme either. Temple, Temple, and North Carolina A and T, um, maybe are the too. only. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, Kansas, I can't call a gimme. Any team that beats Texas is automatically going to be a, a tougher ask than <laughs> some others. But yeah, I mean, it, the over unders are three and a half, and I there's no there's not a gimme to three even honestly. No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. waiting under there if I, I had to. I am under I, as well. Yeah, and that back half, I mean, so starting in October, which I – Do they win a game after October? I, I don't. I actually don't think they do. I don't no. think there's a win in there. No, they're, they're going over. So in our, starting in <laughs> yeah. October, they play North Carolina. Then they go to Miami, go to Boston College, home game against Virginia Tech – Go to Pitt and then finish up against Wake Forest. Um, yeah, they don't even get have Clemson on their draw this year, and I just I don't see them winning any of those games. Yeah, you're gonna know the status of uh, your your win total by uh, September 24th. So that's yeah. that's at least nice. Yeah. You have an idea. You you know if you've won your bet or not by then. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, if you think that if you think they're gonna go over, just bet one of those games. <laughs> That's a toss-up. Just bet them money line because it wouldn't be yeah. it would be the same thing. That's true. But yeah, I would lean under as well. So I think that's consensus. Yeah. They're a basketball school. It is what it is. I think I think they know they know the deal there. All right. We're gonna go next to the other nerd school in the AC. There's a lot of nerd schools in the ACC, but uh I would say this is probably the nerdiest of the nerd schools. We're going down to Atlanta, down to Hot Atlanta, and we are going to check out the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Oh, brother! They got Ooh, rid of the only. but I was going to say they, they got rid of the only thing that made them fun. Like they got rid of that optional offense. Yeah, it's just Collins came in. It seemed like everything was was going to go right. Maybe they could they could change it up and you know, change the culture, the renovation with regards to Bobby Dodd football stadium and everything like that. It's just fallen straight on its face. I mean, it's just, it's, it's no good. Only four returning starters this year. So already struggling and they only have four guys returning and they, they lost Jameer Gibbs, who was by far their best football player. Oh, I easily. just don't know where you go from here. I think, I think it's the end of, of Jeff Collins and I don't, I don't know where they go from here. Maybe they maybe they hire Army's coach and go back to the triple option. I don't I don't hate the idea. 
I mean, I'll just give you a cross-sport comparison. I think Jeff Collins is like whenever Joe Madden had that like 14-game losing streak with the Angels, and he's like, it's okay, guys. I shaved my hair into a mohawk like right before he got fired. Like Jeff Collins came into Georgia Tech and was like, yeah, Atlanta, we have Waffle House, and I'm going to eat it as often as you guys do. And there's all these people saying that, oh, if he wasn't a head coach, he'd be a a marketing major because he's so good at connecting and branding. And uh, then they play Georgia and Clemson constantly and are at the bottom of the barrel of the ACC and just do nothing. <laughs> it's it's incredible how, how bad this school is for a bit to be in Atlanta. Yeah, and they've, man, they get smacked in the mouth right away with their schedule this year. They open against Clemson at a night game. Like it's at home. So who knows? But uh but yeah, I mean looking at their schedule. The, I, I mean see. the non conference isn't even easy. I mean, no. yeah, they have Western Carolina, but they have Ole Miss. That's it. Ole Miss is Ole Miss is gonna destroy them. They might win. have them for, for dinner. Three and a half is too high for their over under total. Like yeah, I just they would need to sneak in some wins. Like not even Western Carolina is a gimme. Like UCF, I think can beat them. Ole Miss is gonna kick their teeth in. Duke, I guess that would be the only other one. Like Duke and How Western. How bad is that game gonna be? Oh, dude, <laughs> Duke, I, I, Georgia Tech. If, if you fall, if you watch that I, game at all, you have a serious problem. Oh, that's yeah. I think we. I think, we, I think we need a. Like there needs to be an intervention because that's that's worse than the people <laughs> that were watching the XFL. Let's make that our first live stream watch. I think yeah, we should have a bet that in the in the football podcast that somebody has to watch that game because you know it's just going to be it's going to oh. be comedy. It's going to be so bad. That's going to be some sicko shit. I, <laughs> I I might volunteer to watch it depending on what the what time they actually play. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I see them getting maybe two wins. I mean, and like that that last the whole schedule. Like even if Georgia Tech was a good team. This is just a brutal draw. Yeah. Like uh, scheduling Clemson and Georgia as non conference games when you're as bad as they are, probably not a very smart idea for a nerd school. They've got five ranked, they got five top 25 teams on their schedule. Like, and I don't think any of them are dropping out of the top 25 except for maybe Pitt. Georgia Tech, the masochist football program of the nation. God, I mean, whatever it takes to get the money, but I mean, you're in a conference that, you know, you're getting. It's only $35 million compared to some of the other conferences. But, damn, you're getting some money. You guys don't need to stoop that low. But, yeah, I'm taking the under. Bring yeah, back. I guess I'll sit with the under. Yeah, I don't know really say. Pretty comfortably, too. Like, I don't, I don't see them pulling an upset off. Any team that loses to Georgia Tech that's not Duke or Western Carolina should be ashamed of themselves. Fold the program. Yeah. Bring back, <laughs> bring back the triple option. Make it tough to make the make it. You got to make yourself tough to scheme against when you're at such a talent disadvantage. Like that's 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 part of the reason the service academies run those. You know, besides yeah. the fact besides the fact that you know they have their obvious like restrictions on who they can recruit, but like it works. So why, man? I don't know why they abandoned that, but yeah, Georgia Tech under three and a half wins. That's a unanimous decision, and. I don't know what Vegas is thinking, setting it that high in the first place. So we're going to move on to a team that finally can win the Coastal. 
um, the North Carolina Tar Heels, another basketball school. Yeah, definitely uh, interesting to see how they move on from Sam Howe. I, I think he was uninspiring in times for, for them last season and why they lost, you know, more games than they probably should have. And uh, reading just, you know, where they stand and in, in terms of, you know, moving forward, uh, a lot of buzz with regards to uh, Drake May in camp and, and probably being named the starter. Um, so it sounds like he has a high ceiling and, and could be, you know, he's going to have his, his lumps, but, uh, you know, has high upside, um, you know, nice when you have uh, one of the best wide receivers in the country that can, that can help you out at all times. So. Yeah, absolutely. And like, they didn't have a bad season necessarily for North Carolina. It's probably a bit of a disappointment compared to some of the seasons that they've had in the past, but uh, you know, they went to, a, they went to a bowl. They went to the, uh, let's see, was that the inaugural Duke's Mayo bowl? Was that the very first one? I think it was the second one. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, they were, um, they didn't win that one. So Mac Brown get to get doused with Mayo, which was unfortunate. Uh, I was curious to see if he would actually follow through with that because Mac Brown does not necessarily seem like that kind of guy to me. But uh, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to spin zone it. I think this is the perfect situation for Mac Brown. Mac Brown only plays well whenever there is there are no expectations. And last year they had they had Sam Howell, and so there were expectations to win. And he just kind of chokes like like a uh, like a deer in the headlights in a big spot, honestly. And like they've recruited well, and like they've definitely like put the program on the map ever since he's got there. But He's just the guy that that prefers to be the one that's causing the chaos where, like, they play a barn burner of a game. He gets to go and shake hands in midfield and say, Dad, go. That was a barn burner. And the other coach just, like, sick to his stomach because of the magic, the black magic that Mac Brown has pulled off. Yeah, he definitely seems like a dadgum guy. <laughs> Could see that. Got to keep it around with uh, Roy gone now. And, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with, uh, you know, what Jake said. You know, they were pretty – they were a little highly overrated. I think that was pretty synonymous among, you know, some people in the media that felt like, you know, they shouldn't have been as highly ranked as they were going to the season last year. Um, yeah, and, it was, definitely it was, locked down the – It was underrated how much they lost around how – Yeah, and their defense was awful as well. And I thought yeah. it was an interesting tidbit that uh, Gene Chizik is back um, you know, yeah. his defensive coordinator was there from I think 2014 to 2016. So uh, you know, obviously a lot of name. Yeah, he's he's been you know just such an interesting name uh, in the first place with regards to his history. So uh, yeah, that'll that'll definitely be an interesting storyline on the other side of the ball. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for the defense to get worse. I mean. You would think that yeah. there's really only they the only way they can go is up. I mean, especially with the talent that they have recruited, because you guys are right. Like Mac Brown's done a pretty good job recruiting for North Carolina for football. Um, I would honestly argue that they probably they just didn't play up to their talent last year. Like I, I don't think they were necessarily overranked, but I just think they just didn't play up to what they were actually capable of, especially how. And I don't know. I can't remember last year if they had a young offensive line or if they had some issues on the line there, but I mean, that can definitely contribute to it, but they, they're a good team. They could win the coastal this year. Like if, if some, you know, crazy shit happens, 
Uh, I wouldn't call them a favorite by any means, just because they do have a new quarterback, obviously. But I, I think, I think they're gonna come out. They're gonna be bowl eligible again. Yeah, there's no Clemson on the schedule this year. Uh, I think they have a really favorable schedule. I mean, they do even get NC State at home at the end, that rivalry week. And uh, I know Notre Dame is uh, at home as well. Um, so, but they're tough games. Like, those are tough draws, but they are at home. Um, and, I mean, it's hard for the defense to be as bad as it was last year. Like, they gave up 32 ga- points a game. So, I mean, even – with Gene Chizik not having very much experience, he's going to roll right in and um, have a pretty low bar to clear. Um, so I, I think that the ceiling of the team is an ACC championship appearance. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think – I mean, we can talk about who we think is going to win the conference later, but I don't think it's going to really surprise anybody. But uh, I would agree that they're going to, they're going to appear as the, as the high end in the ACC championship game. Just don't think they're going to do anything with that. But looking at their schedule, their over-under win total this year, uh, the last I checked was seven and a half. And let's see, they open up their first four games are going to be home against Florida A&M at Appalachian State, which that's that one could be tough. Uh, at Georgia State, which I think they should win, but – Depending on what the spread is for that game, I think Georgia State could definitely cover that. Um, yep. And then they're at home against Notre Dame. So I'm obviously biased there. Um, I don't think they're going to really have a shot to win. I think they may keep it close at times, but I, I just don't think the talent the talent gap is close enough for them to win that one. And then yep. after that – yeah, and then after that they get into the meat of the schedule – They've got Virginia Tech at home. They go to Miami. They've got Duke, so that's a gimme. Um, Playing Pittsburgh, Virginia, Wake, Georgia Tech, another gimme right before they go into NC State. So just counting the wins out here. We'll be generous and say they go three and one for that first four. Um, Five, six. A lot of toss-ups in there. I think there's a lot of toss-ups in there. Pitt at home. At Miami is probably – I think there's only two definitive losses for me on the schedule with with Notre Dame at home and then at Miami. But then you look down at some of these other games where I, I think at UVA is a toss-up, at Wake is a toss-up, the NC State game is a toss-up. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of games that will decide their season there at the end of the schedule for sure. Yeah, I agree there. I think it, it being at seven and a half, though, I, I would still lean the over just – um, just how well they've done with recruiting. Um, and then, uh, like we said, the critical games that they have on the schedule are at home. Um, and so I, I think that, like, just some something has to – like, uh, someone has to win this uh, this part of the division. Uh, and I, I think that North Carolina is going to be uh, – not having to play Clemson is going to bring them to the top, man. Okay. Well, Pat, what you got if you had to pick up? Pick it over or under. What do you what do you think of the seven and a half uh, there? Uh, I'm going over. I think Drake made is the real deal. I mean, he he's got great pedigree. Um, you know, played at a big high school in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So he, he definitely has that upbringing and has the pieces around him to do something. And I think with regards to the defense, there's a lot of talent there, as we were talking about with recruiting. Um, you know, they've really locked down the state of North Carolina in terms of of 
you know, talent. And I, I think that may come to fruition this year. Um, they definitely returned some pieces in the secondary as well. That doesn't even start with Miles Murphy, who's going to be one of the best defensive players in the in the in the league. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And I think that the over is is where I would stand as well. Okay, I'm actually I'm going to disagree. I'm actually going to take the under on this one. Um, those two losses that we already talked about that are locked in uh, pretty much are going to be Notre Dame and Miami. And as it stands right now, I don't think they're going to beat NC State. So really. We're looking at the rest of their games between Virginia, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, and USC. Even splitting those gets them to five losses. So I, I, I will probably take the under there. I don't feel great about it. I feel like seven and a half is a really good line for them. Um, but I would probably take the under for them. So looking ahead, next up we've got the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, Virginia Cavaliers – are going to again i mean most of these teams now have a shot to win the coastal um you know some teams are going to have better odds than others but i think there's nothing stopping the Cavs from doing it um you know there's there's just a lot of question marks throughout this league and throughout the division yeah i mean there's just a lot in flux with the new coach tony elliott um and then uh i I don't really know what um, where he's going to take the program uh, from where it was last year. Uh, I mean, I just feel like every time they play in Blacksburg that I've seen in my entire life, it's just been a, a Virginia Tech win. And that's that might be the game that decides their season as I'm looking at their schedule right now. I know that's the last week. And then they even have Coastal right before. And, like, if they're looking ahead to that rivalry game, like, Coastal can give them some trouble. Yeah, I agree. Um Schedule for this year is pretty kind to them, all things considered. Um, yeah, they got a lot of – they have quite a few FCS teams. Let's see. I see Richmond, Spiders, I don't think are going to give them any trouble. Um, Old Dominion, same thing. Coastal could. Um, I think that being – like at Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't it's kind of a tricky schedule. I mean, Richmond and Old Dominion are obviously FCS, but both teams that are usually in the playoffs and in, in that uh respective division and then coastals by no no means easy, especially, you know, with what they're returning on offense. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I mean we just don't know what's gonna happen with Tony Elliott. Is he is he gonna be, you know, that kind of guy, I mean, running out f- five stars and having Trevor Lawrence to, you know, throw the ball around the yard for you is, is nice, but now he's, he's got to run his own program here at UVA. Brennan Armstrong is great. Uh, he comes into a great situation in terms of returning pieces on offense, at least. Yeah. But yeah. It's just a lot of unknowns, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, Armstrong is going to be big for them though. I know he got injured in the Notre Dame game last year and that kind of derailed their season a little bit, but uh, him coming back, I think this is, is going to be nothing but good for the Cavs. So uh, taking a look at, at the schedule, I think – let's see what the over-under is. It's at seven. So I would say Richmond, Illinois, Old Dominion, Syracuse. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to take the over on this. Um Looking at their losses, the only ones, the only one that I think is a definite locked in loss really is Miami. But Pitt at home is a toss up. At Virginia Tech is a toss up that I'd probably lean Virginia Tech's way. Um, 
and that's still that's still nine right there. And the rest of them, honestly, are very winnable games. Obviously, you know, North Carolina and Louisville are probably going to be the toughest out of those, and I think that's probably that gets you to a push at the very least. But I think eight's more likely than six looking at this draw that they have. So I'm going to go the over. Yeah, yeah, a lot of these these games are at home that are, are tougher. So, you know, if they can just sneak out one of them, that that's good enough, honestly. So I, I tend to agree with you there. I, I would take the over as well. Yeah. I think that as long as they get one out of home for Pittsburgh, UNC or Louisville, then I think they're going to hit the over. I agree. So I think Brennan Armstrong is going to be really good for them. I think Elliot's probably going to be fine. Like you, like Pat said, uh, I got a lot of returning weapons on offense. So I think they're going to be able to put some points up. It's just a matter of getting that defense figured out. If they can do that, I think they'll be able to comfortably hit that over though. Yep. So next up, we are taking our talents down to South beach. We're going to be checking out the Miami hurricanes. Uh, Canes. Canes did a lot this offseason. Um, they brought in Mario Cristobal as their head coach, and he's put together a pretty dynamite recruiting staff, which is already paying dividends off on the trail. I mean, you're seeing guys commit to Miami that probably wouldn't have two or three years ago or even last year. Um, he's real. I mean, obviously, he's a Miami guy. He's from he's from there originally, so he's definitely seemed to seems to have bought in with the culture there. And I think long-term their outlook is looking really good. Um, you know, any Oregon duck fan will tell you he was always a good recruiter, but his X's and O's is where they fall short. So that might have more of an effect this year than it will long-term, but they do have Tyler Van Dyke, who's probably going to be a first round quarterback this year. And they've got a schedule that is relatively, Relatively, I would say it's middling. Um, they've got some – it's really top-heavy, but then their bottom teams that they play are really, really bad. So, yeah, I think they can make some noise this year. I tend to agree. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, definitely be interesting to see, you know, how things go with regards to, to Gaddis um, coming in as offensive coordinator. You know, he brings a lot of experience, has been a lot of different places. So uh, definitely interested to see, you know, how things turn out with that. I don't, I don't think it'll be a problem. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the defense is the is the question mark there. It has to improve. And, you know, if they're going to win the at least the division, they're going to need some improvements on that side of the ball. And I think that Chris Ball was the perfect hire for that, though. Like, he is ultimately a gritty and defensive guy. Like, they, like by hiring Chris Ball, they got – instead of having a dad that spends money on booze and cigs, he's, like, just spending it on the things they need, like just milk and eggs. Like, I know that that uh, defense in the ACC is going to play. Like, you're, you're going to be in a conference full of, of teams that – are trying to score 42 points to win a game. And Miami is going to uh, have a developed defense under Crystal Ball and recruit on the defensive side of the ball instead of just being the flashy skill position players. And um, I think it's ultimately going to come down to what he Crystal Ball can do with Van Dyke because I did see Oregon play in person whenever he had Herbert, and I was baffled at how poorly he was used there considering what Herbert is doing now in the NFL. Um, but honestly, on their schedule, I think that it's um, – I think they're going to do well in the conference, but that game against AM on September 17th, 
which is week three, is going to determine their season because that being so significant of a game um, could propel them to winning the conference as a whole. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, bringing Kevin Steele in as the defensive coordinator for our, for the, the Hurricanes, um, he did a pretty good job at Auburn. And obviously he was a pretty good recruiter as well. They, Auburn really never had an issue getting talent until recently. But uh, put, just put together a dynamite recruiting staff. And for their actual X's and O's, you got to hope that Crystal Ball passes the reins off to Gaddis for – for offensive play calling, uh, like you said, Herbert necessar- wasn't necessarily the most um, efficiently used at Oregon, let's say. But Gaddis, I mean, he comes from Harbaugh and the Wolverines, and, you know, they were pretty run heavy. And that seems to be kind of what Crystal Ball is wanting to do, too. So it's going to be interesting to see what they actually do uh, scheme wise on the offense. Let's see. Let's take a look at the schedule here. They have a pretty high over-under for their win total. It's going to be eight and a half. Um, I I could talk myself into the over pretty easily. The only two games that I think are games I would have them as underdogs in are A&M and Clemson. And they're both away for those games. So I'm just going to give the home field advantage to those teams, and I would say that they'll beat Miami. But they open up. The first two weeks, they're playing Bethune-Cookman and then Southern Miss leading into the A&M game. Then they've got Middle Tennessee before North Carolina and Virginia Tech. Um, Duke, gimme. They play Virginia. I think they're going to win that one. Florida State, I think you know that program's a mess, and Crystal Ball has definitely got a more stable program than what uh, Norvell has. And then Georgia Tech's a gimme as well. Um I think I will actually, I'll take the over barely. So I, th- I think that I think they can they have they have a nine maybe ten win season depending on how things shake out. I'm taking the over easily, honestly. Um, I think that, like you said, Clemson and A and M are going to be the games where they're not favored in. Um, but even if they do have a slip up in Blacksburg or something, I, I like them. I, I like the culture that Cristobal is bringing. It just feels like some stability in a conference where there isn't a lot of stability, even though he, he is just a first-year coach. So I, I think that nine and three is a solid floor. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I just don't see many places where they're going to trip up. I mean, as we were talking about the A&M and, and Clemson games are probably definitive losses, but then you look down the schedule and you don't see many games that feel like trap games per se. So, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm with the over as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, since Pitt's going to be the last game of the season, Miami's probably going to be in position to be on the outside looking in the top 10 with two losses, especially after a loss to Clemson. So I think they're going to want to put their best foot forward there. So I think they're going to they're going to pull all the stops out for that uh, Pitt game, and I don't think they're going to trip up there. So I would also take the over on them pretty comfortably, and I think the long-term outlook for Miami is pretty good uh, as long as Crystal Ball is willing to let his coordinators cook. So – now that we're done with the Hurricanes, we've got two left here in the ACC, and then we got the big dog, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. But we're going to go first up with Pitt, the Pitt Panthers. Uh, they had about as good of a season last year as you could ever hope for as a Pitt fan, I think. Yeah, I mean, it stinks that in the bowl game that 
Pickett decided to sit out, so it took a little juice out of the game. But, yeah, I mean, you can't complain with winning the ACC after, you know, the way things have been going with Pat Narduzzi over the past few years prior to this. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it'll be an interesting year for them with, you know, so many pieces being gone. And, and is Slovis the answer? I guess we're going to find out pretty soon. Uh, and I think Addison leaving is just a shot through the heart. That would have been the, the nice thing, having him back and having the whole line back as well. It would have been nice to have that safety valve. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just the sheer fact that we've heard so much about the Jordan Addison transfer this offseason, like you can tell how – big of a blow it was to the program uh like not to make the like the cowherd analogy but like you know it's like when you get dumped by your girlfriend but that's just kind of what it feels like uh but there whenever you get dumped you make irrational decisions um and this team is already uh, a program that was incredibly aggressive with how much they blitzed and just threw picket bombs last year and those miracles won't be there this time um since picket is gone um i don't know what it's going to look like with with Slovis, but uh, it just it just feels like they um, they have so many different pieces. It's just going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, I mean they have seven starters returning on defense, so there is something there. But uh, I do want to point out that Slovis committed to Pitt, and uh, it came out that his his girlfriend, I believe, is on the soccer or volleyball team. So we don't know where his mind is at being so close to his girlfriend now for the first time in a few years. Um, I think that could go one of two ways. It could be better for him or worse, kind of like when Rory uh, broke up with uh, the professional tennis player and ended up playing better after uh, he broke off the engagement with her. So maybe uh, maybe being closer to the the female in his life will uh, bring some, some W's for Pitt. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Um, I do think that losing Addison and obviously picking to the draft is going to be big and it's going to be tough to replicate that. Um, you know, I was I'm obviously biased against USC, but I don't think Slovis was particularly impressive during his tenure over there. But looking at who else they had available, I think that's probably the best that they could do at that point. So definitely making the best out of a bad situation there. Um, Narduzzi, I do think he's a good football coach, but I don't know if there's anybody in the ACC that puts his foot in his mouth more than Narduzzi does. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, he was bitching about his former offensive coordinator, Whipple, uh, not wanting to pass the ball enough in a specific game where they ended up passing, like, I want to say it was like two-thirds of their play calls were passes in that game. So it just kind of sounded like – just kind of sounded like a burnt, like a burned, burned ex-lover type deal. So um, I do I, – I, he's a character, but – he is a good ball coach, and I think he's going to end up having Pitt in pretty good shape overall. That being said, I don't know if they're going to match what they did last year. Uh, seems nearly impossible, honestly. Yeah, I mean that was—I mean that was the mountaintop of what they had. Like that was definitely yep. their uh, best. Uh, they were a cultural phenomenon for college football. Yeah, they definitely were. But looking at the schedule now, I mean, they've got they got some heaters. It's a tough program. start, but the start is at home with West Virginia and Tennessee. 
the old backyard brawl at West with West Virginia. That's going to be a fun game. Um, I know West Virginia already already revealed their jerseys for that game. They were they were looking pretty sick. So I don't know if Pitt's doing anything special for it, but that'll be fun to see. But yeah, um, West Virginia, I think I think they're going to win that one. Tennessee might be a little tougher. It's just going to completely depend on what Heupel's doing and what Hinden Hooker's doing. But I think that one's winnable. I don't know if it's one that they're necessarily going to win, though. And looking at their win total for the year, it's eight and a half, which I do like Pitt. I think they're going to be a good ball team, but that that feels high. I like the under on this one just because the rest of the schedule, the games that I think are toss-ups are on the road. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would tend to go to the under. I think, I mean, it's just all dependent down to Slovis. He loved taking chances at USC and, you know, for better or worse, that's that's how it worked out for him. Um, so it really depends on his decision-making, I think, for them to get to nine, which seems borderline impossible. But I guess we never know. Yeah, I see seven games on the schedule that I'm pretty comfortable that they'll win. Um Obviously, Western Michigan, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and Duke. That's your. That's four of them. I think they win at West Virginia and Pittsburgh, or not Pittsburgh. Uh, I think they win at Virginia, and then Rhode Island. So that's seven. I mean, I think I think that's a pretty comfortable floor for them, but. I it's just tough finding the other ones there because like you said, Jake, they are on the road for the rest of those, except for Tennessee and Virginia tech. So it's, it's going to be tough, but I guess if I had to pick one, I would probably go the under on that one. We're going under as well. Yeah. I, I tend to go with the under as well. So. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I think I think it's just kind of a, a come down season from from where they were last year, which is completely normal. Uh, it's definitely not a sign for panic, and you know, even an eight and four season is a good one for Pitt. So I wouldn't be too upset about that. All right. So bringing up the rear of the ACC, we've got the Virginia Tech Hogie Hokies, not Hogies. Um, Started off the year blazing hot. Uh, that week one game was definitely the first, uh, to me at least, it was the first football is back moment. Like there wasn't really any Sandman. Yeah, that first Sandman. It, it just hit a little different than what it usually does. But um, yeah, I was I watched the video of it a week ago or two weeks ago, and I was just like, oh my god, like that was such a good feeling watching that live. But yeah. and then and then they ended up just blowing the brakes off of uh, it was North Carolina that came in. They just stomped them. Yeah, that was one of the more surprising games. I think the, the early on in the season, at least, man, that 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 was. I mean, they completely should the bet UNC. No one. Yeah. I, well, I mean, they how how big a favorite? I don't think they were that big of favorites, but still. it was just the how hype. Yeah, yeah, the Howell hype. Yeah, Howell and then Rattler too are two Heisman favorites that just did not perform that first week. But uh, they they ended up finishing kind of fizzled out, and they have brought on a new head coach, Brett Pry, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the program because I think he does have some work cut out for him um, if he wants to make this team a contender 
for the ACC title. Obviously, that is Clemson's to lose at this point. But if you want to be a solid contender coming out of the Coastal, I think he, he does have some work ahead of him. But there, there's some talent there. Uh, I just think it's going to be an adjustment with a brand-new head coach coming in. Yeah, knowing one of these quarterbacks, um, you know, they have this Marshall quarterback coming in, but then um, the other quarterback played at South Carolina last year, and he just was – he wasn't great. I mean, there wasn't anybody that was great for South Carolina at the quarterback position, but um, really struggled at at South Carolina. Jason Brown um, didn't get much PT. He was pulled pretty quickly. And and just looking at this this Marshall quarterback, 15 touchdowns, 13 interceptions last year, and and the Conference USA, I don't know how that translates to to the ACC. So I have – um, some reservations about the the offensive side of the ball and starting at Old Dominion isn't easy either. So, I mean, I will say though, hiring a defensive coordinator um, as a head coach kind of plays well in a conference that doesn't play very much defense. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, just as long as you bring in the right offensive co- coordinator to handle that side of the ball, if you can delegate that task well, and then. You know, assuming you can delegate that task well, uh, if that offensive coordinator is successful, they're probably not long for your program, and you got to be able to find talent to replace him. So, looking ahead to Virginia Tech's schedule here, uh, their over under win total is seven on the dot. And, you know, they've got a pretty light schedule, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, they've got three ranked teams, and they're all in the very middle of the schedule. So, it could be could be a rough October for him, but everything else on the outside of that looks very, very winnable for them. So we got off this first four-week period here. Um, they open up against Old Dominion at Old Dominion, which going to be a little rough because Old Dominion is a really good FCS team, but I think, I think they're going to come out with a W there. Uh, they're home against Boston College, which, again, is all going to depend on how Dracovic plays. But, um, you know, then they got Wofford in West Virginia, which I don't know what West Virginia is going to be. So I'm not sure how that one's going to go. But, yeah, that, that middle third is going to be really rough. Yeah, Wofford does run the triple option, I believe. So you never know. Okay. That could be interesting. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I – gosh, seven wins. I'm looking through this. So Old Dominion. I don't know. I, I I think I have to take the under here. Just with so many unknowns with this team, I I just don't. I don't know if seven's there for them. That the, at Liberty is is by no means a given. So I think the the under is is what I would take if I had to take something here. I think what's going to happen here is we're gonna we're gonna get a season of the under from Virginia Tech, but that last game, um, it being a rivalry game in Blacksburg against Virginia. Uh, it's going to be seen as like the culture building win, like to go out right before they're if they end up getting bowl eligible, um, and, and then there's going to be all this Brent Pry hype going into the next season. I just can see the narrative now. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, that's how you build a program, though. Uh, so Jake, you're taking the under as well. Yeah, I, I am. All right. Well, I am actually going to break from you guys, and I'm going to take the over on this one. Um, I think that stretch of the first four games here, I think they can win three out of those four. And the last four games, I think they're going to win all of them. I, I do agree that Liberty is probably is going to be a tougher out, as is Virginia, but I think those are all pretty winnable games. I just 
I don't know what Liberty's going to be without uh, Malik Willis. So it's it's going to be tough to see if they can actually replace that talent. But I, they would have to pretty much win all of those games on the outside of October in order for them to hit that over. So it, it's definitely not easy. It's just looking at the teams that they are playing outside of October, I, I think it's doable. And I, I see eight as more likely than six. Um, realistically, I think seven is probably right on the dot for where they're going to end up. I think they are going to push. But if I had to pick one, I would probably take the over here. I'm for it. It's, it's fun whenever Virginia Tech is, is good. Yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech is just one of those teams, like, you know, they were cool when we were kids. Yeah. I don't know. I it, This is a really tough one because, like I said, I do think seven on the dot is where it's going to end up being. But I, I could definitely talk myself into them winning eight or even potentially nine, depending on what it goes. So we are going to leave the ACC and go to – a team that's ACC adjacent and a team that is near and dear to Jake and I. Very much so. You know them. You love them. You actually probably hate them if, you're, if, you're, if you don't absolutely love them. Uh, it's going to be the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame. Villains. Do what? The Redeemed Villains. Oh, yeah. So Notre Dame had a hell of a 2021 um, what was supposed to be a rebuilding year ended up with an 11 and one season and a Fiesta Bowl game that unfortunately got canceled before we actually got out of halftime. So um, sucks to see what would have happened there at the end. But real shame. Yeah. Who, who knows what could have been? But no, they uh, Oklahoma State came back, and so they Notre Dame continues their streak of losing New Year's Six Bowls since the 90s, so, which is you know pretty depressing, but. All things considered, uh, that loss is pretty forgiving considering what happened uh, within the program. Obviously, before the college football playoff was actually announced, Brian Kelly took the head coach position over at LSU, which left Notre Dame without a head coach going into the playoff rankings, which, you know, who knows if that actually had something to do with it, but uh, it definitely didn't help by any means. So they eventually found their guy and what felt like forever, but really was only, I want to say it was only like a week. It felt like way longer than that. But they promoted they promoted internally. Uh, they got Marcus Freeman, their defensive coordinator, and they gave him the head coaching position. There was a lot of push from uh, committed players and recruits and uh, players actually on the roster to keep him there. And it seemed very likely that he was going to leave if they ended up not giving him the head coaching position. So he, he's Notre Dame's head coach, and he obviously had a lot on his plate going into that uh, Fiesta Bowl. So uh, it's not great. Not necessarily. It's definitely not a good thing when you lose New Year's Six Bowl, but I think it's one of those that is definitely forgivable considering the state that the program was in just kind of in flux again. They had a lot of retooling for their coaching staff this offseason, which was surprising considering one of the big narratives right after Freeman got hired was that they were able to keep so much of their coaching staff intact. I think uh, in that initial Brian Kelly bounce, only two coaches actually left at the same time that Kelly did. So it seemed like Freeman was going to keep his staff together. But, um, you know, eventually life happens. You have two coaches that get hired as offensive coordinators elsewhere. You have other coaches seeking opportunities elsewhere, and you eventually have a pretty new staff. But, yeah, 2021 was crazy for the Irish. 
the Tommy Reese saga almost felt longer than the Freeman saga for me. I don't know. Oh my God. I was terrified that we were going to lose that. We were going to lose Reese. He's such a critical player in the program. Just in terms of morale, all of the offensive schemes. And I honestly thought that, that he was going to be groomed for what Freeman is doing now. Yeah. And I think if Kelly would have stayed for another year or two, that's probably what would have ended up happening. Um, it's tough to do though with a guy that young, honestly. Reese's Reese, I mean, shit, he was not playing that long ago. Or he was playing not that long ago. Yeah. It's crazy. But so yeah, now they have a they have a lot of continuity with their schemes on both sides of the ball. So Tommy Reese is still the offensive coordinator there, which means the offense is probably not going to be too different uh in terms of what Tommy Reese is used to scheming up. And then the defense is probably still going to be Marcus Freeman's defense, but they did bring in Al Golden as the defensive coordinator, who's actually going to be calling the plays for them. Um, there's a lot of question marks for this team going into 2021, but, man, they are a talented team. Truly. I mean, um, I, were you on team Tyler Buckner ahead of the quarterback controversy? Like going into this offseason? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Pine definitely played well last season when he was called upon, especially like in that Cincinnati game to bring it back and make it close. But uh, at the end of the day, like neither of them really had experience. So you got to go with talent at a certain point. Um, Buckner definitely, he's played like a freshman last year when he was brought in. Obviously, they brought him in for design run packages and he, they did have him throw a little bit. But um, Buckner hadn't played football in like, Two, he hasn't started a game in like two or three years. So I would definitely say that's the biggest question mark for the Irish going into it this year is Buckner. Um, he was a fringe five-star. I want to say he was like a top 50 player in the composite rankings when he committed. But um, but yeah, he's got all the talent in the world. He can make the throws that you need him to make. He's really mobile. He's, he's exactly what a young offensive coordinator like Tommy Reese is going to want for his scheme. But at the end of the day, he's a young quarterback. He's going to make mistakes still. And that might end up costing Notre Dame a game or two. So I think Irish fans kind of have to be expecting that. They're returning all of their offensive linemen that either started or got meaningful reps from last season. And their, their offensive line is poised to be an elite offensive line this year. I think having that returning O-line with Buckner for as um, as skilled he is at playmaking with his legs is going to be critical. And especially um, you got that offensive line and Michael Mayer at the front as well. Um, and I think that if he does get into any trouble in the backfield, having the capability to, to make magic happen back there um, and then Michael Mayer kind of be like his safety net that he can throw to. Yeah. Uh, and just for as athletic as he is, it's just it's going to be very fun to watch. For sure. And like an elite tight end is always going to be a safety valve for a quarterback. Uh, Mayer's definitely going to be on the Mackey Award watch list. He's, you know, I'm biased. He's, in my opinion, he was the best tight end in the country, just if you actually look at the tape there. But he is going to be a really important weapon for the offense going forward, especially because their wide receiver room is not great. Man, they're going to have some trouble. Uh, on top of Avery Davis just getting injured this past weekend, uh, Torres ACL, his other ACL, which is putting him out for this entire season. 
Um, they just didn't have a ton of talent in the room to begin with. The former wide receivers coach, Dell Alexander, is at Georgia Tech now, and he just – he did not do a great job recruiting wide receivers, and they are definitely going to be paying for it this year. But looking ahead at 2022, um, Notre Dame's schedule starts off with a bang. It's probably – it's going to be one of the biggest games of the year, I think especially for it being a week one game. Um, they're going to the horseshoe and they're playing Ohio State. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a ball game. I will be a rational and realistic Notre Dame fan. I think that that game being in Columbus is it's, – it's an uphill battle to say the least. And I think that, that we're not going to be favored. I don't favor us in that game. Oh, we're not. We're um, like – yeah. I'm just – I'm being realistic about it. Like it's – I. If we start 0-1, I'm not going to be upset just because Ohio State is my personal national championship favorite. Yeah. And I think that just because Freeman is a first-year coach and that's his first game, um, and, and the way that he is recruiting right now, everything is shaping up for next season. I think this is just going to be a tone-setting year. Um, and because of the talent they have um, and a year of, of so many things shaping up for – a better 2023, this will just be a year of progression and good vibes and developing Tyler Buckner. Yeah. And that like if if that happens and we get a good bowl game, I'm gonna be happy with it. Oh, for sure. And I think we will. Um I will say no so Ohio State, the last I checked, they are 14 and a half point favorites for yeah, doesn't surprise me. Which is a lot of points. Um I'm obviously biased and as much as I try to not be with this stuff, but I do think the Irish are going to cover. Um, Ohio State does have some question marks on their defense that I think a uh, mobile quarterback like Buckner and, and having Michael Mayer will be able to exploit, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Ohio State at the end of the day. So if they can make that a one-score game or, you know, single digits, I will be, you know, not happy, but I'll be accepting of that. If they end up losing by like three scores or something like that, though, that's that's going to be really disheartening for a team that's ranked top five in the AP preseason. I mean, for as, as good as our secondary is, um, I think that that may cause Stroud to have some uh, a little bit of rust to start off the year. But I, I just think that it, it will end up being a shootout. Yeah, hammer the over. I will say that. I think the last time I checked the over or under uh, for points total was 58 and a half. Hit that. Looking ahead at the rest of their schedule, so after Ohio State, they play Marshall and then Cal. Then they go to NC. After that, they've got their Shamrock Series game against BYU and Vegas. And BYU, I think, is actually going to be a sneaky good team this year. They're returning a ton of talent, and they ended up being a really good team last year. So I think that's going to be a closer game than most people give it credit for. But after that, they play Stanford, and then they really start to get into their quote-unquote ACC schedule. Um, they, they're home against UNLV, and then they play Syracuse before playing Clemson on November 5th. Uh, they do play Clemson at home, which I think is going to give them the advantage there. But that is going to be – that's going to be slugfest. That's going to be a game where the offensive and defensive lines are going to be absolutely crucial to who are, whichever team ends up winning that game. After the Clemson game – We've got Navy, which, you know, I love that they play Navy. I think that's one of the coolest, uh, quote-unquote, rivalries in college football. That's not an actual rivalry or anything like that. It's a, it's a respect thing. Classics. 
It's a good yeah. helmet. Oh, great helmet game. It's just gold on gold. But um, And then they play Boston College, so it'll be uh, the Phil Dracovic re- re- revenge game. So that'll be that'll be interesting to watch to see if he can uh, if he can do it. I don't think he will, but there's always a chance. And then they close off the season at USC, and USC USC is a top 15 team right now in the AP. Um, don't know if they're going to end up playing that way, but they've got a pretty decent schedule. Um, you know, it's pretty top heavy, and they're out of co- their quote unquote out of conference games that aren't their usual rivalries are pretty bad. Cal and Marshall and, U- and UNLV are just not good. So uh, they'll pr- they'll probably get dogged for their schedule at some point. But their over under win total is also at eight and a half. Trying to be unbiased here, but I can pretty easily see a path to nine or ten wins. I'm with you. I mean, I. I know that the, the first game against Ohio State, the majority of us are going to chalk that up as an automatic yeah. loss. And then the rest of them that that are the toss-ups, I mean, I think USC being at the end of the year I at USC, I think um, it's going to depend on if Lincoln Riley has gotten the program rolling by then, and I do have confidence that he does. So I think that that one, if, if everything goes according to plan for USC, that one I could see us – um, being the underdogs in. Um, and then the other ones that are toss-ups, I mean, BYU is a neutral site, but I do think that, I mean, Vegas is a destination location. Notre Dame's a national brand. I can see Notre Dame having significant turnout there uh, for people to come see the new stadium. Um, and then Clemson's at home. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that this is easy nine wins. Yeah. Yeah, and SC, so SC's biggest problem, and I think it's a problem that Lincoln Riley also faced in Oklahoma, is they're just not good in the trenches. Uh, the West Coast just does not have a ton of really good offensive line talent, and that's something that Lincoln Riley did not necessarily do the best developing yet was the lines on either side of the ball. So I think that's a game where Notre Dame is going to be able to bully them up front. And I, I've, I have that one chalked up as a win. It's definitely not a gimme by any means, but um, – the only loss that I'm – the only game that I'm chalking up as an absolute loss is Ohio State at this point. Um, I think they've got three toss-ups in SC, Clemson, and BYU. I think those are their next – those are their next three toughest games. And I think they win two of those three at least. I'm with you. But the rest of their schedule, I mean, you know, Navy, Syracuse, UNLV, like those are – like North Carolina is probably the, the next best team on that game, which, you know, it's at North Carolina. So something could happen there, especially getting ready to play BYU. But overall, I, I, I think they have a really high floor in terms of what they're, what they're going to achieve, even with a first year head coach like Marcus Freeman. Well, that game against BYU is coming off a bye. Oh yeah, you're right. Didn't even, didn't even see the dates there. So they're going to have an extra week to prepare for that. But yeah, yeah I'm, t- I'm, I'm taking the over, man. And- I'm t- I feel good about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously biased, but I'm pretty comfortably taking that over. So, I mean, I, you know, gonna it's gonna hurt twice as much if I'm wrong on that one. But, uh, but I like that over a lot. I like that line a lot. So, Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I 
I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think, you know, there's always growing pains with a first year coach. Um, Absolutely. I, I think that, it, it, you know, it's trending in the right direction. Absolutely. I, I love the hire. So I, who am I to doubt, um, you know, what's, what's going on here? I think, I think the over is probably the play I would make if I had to make one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to bet that just because I've learned my lesson about betting my own teams and it just doesn't go well. Um, but if, if I had to pick one, I would probably pick the over there. So, okay. Well, that's all of the ACC and ACC-adjacent teams for tonight. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here, and we're just going to go through. So who, are you guys gonna th- who do you guys think is going to win each division? And then who do you think is going to end up winning the whole conference? So, Jake, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm looking at the Atlantic, and I, I know that I did say that I have Clemson beating NC State head to head, but I think that the schedule favors NC State, and so um, record wise, I think that NC State will take the Atlantic, um, and then in the coastal, I I I don't know what it is, man. I think that that Cristobal is building something really special in Miami. Um, I like their schedule, even though they do have to play a game in College Station, um, and so I. I got NC State in Miami in the, in the ACC championship, which is um, pretty wild if you would have asked me that last year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I think the NC State is going to end up taking the ACC, which is remarkable. Yeah. I mean, if any team is going to challenge clubs, I think it's going to be them this year. So I, I don't hate that pick by any means. So, Pat, who do you got? Yeah, I'm – I'm going to stick with Clemson as much as I hate to say it. Um, I just think their defense is too good and they'll figure out something on offense in terms of, you know, they do have, you know, one of the best running backs in the nation and in the ACC and, and Shipley. And I, I think they just have the talent to, to overcome, you know, some of their shortfalls um, in terms of offense and in the coastal I think I'm going to go with Miami as well. I, I agree with Jake. I think Crystal Ball's building something special. They have a quarterback that's probably going to go in the first round. And, uh, yeah, it's really a toss-up in the Coastal. I think that there's several different teams that can definitely compete there, um, even Pitt. But I, I tend to go with the experience of, of Van Dyke. And, you know, Crystal Ball has, you know, the proof is in the pudding with him. Uh, I think he's he's pretty – pretty good so uh yeah i think i'll go with those two and then go with clemson winning winning the acc uh for another year so yeah i think i'm with you on that um clemson i think there are some question marks that can be exploited and i think i just saw uh one of the defensive linemen is going to be missing four weeks with some kind of injury uh xavier xavier johnson I can't remember. Anyway, one of their defensive linemen is uh, is hurt for four weeks, and obviously they've got enough depth to fill that. But when you lose a guy that's probably going to get drafted, you're going to have to figure out a way to replace that production. So, But I do think they are going to win the Atlantic, and I would probably, if I had to pick a team out of the Coastal to win it because I really don't know who it's going to be, I'd probably end up going Miami. I mean, the Coastal is just a mess, and any of those like any of those teams that aren't Duke or Georgia Tech could win it. Uh, so I would have that. I would have that be the matchup is Miami Clemson, and I'd probably have Clemson taking that one as well. So I see you guys taking underdogs. Yeah, <laughs> little old Clemson. So yeah. So on the opposite end, so who's going to be the worst team in the conference this year? Where's Georgia Tech? I'm going to go with Duke. 
Duke doesn't have any answers for me. I think Georgia Tech does have some pieces on offense. I don't know where Duke finds anything off a team that's, as I said before, gave up 46 points per game on defense last year. I, I just don't know what you do there. Yeah. I It's going to be one of those two. I would probably give the edge. Well, I don't know if Georgia Tech wants this edge, but I would give the edge to Georgia Tech just because they have a lot harder of a schedule to deal with. Um, I think I think Duke has a couple more toss-up games that could go their way. Uh, they're playing other teams that just aren't good, while uh, while Georgia Tech has just a bear of a schedule outside of like their one or two at a conference wins. So I would probably say Georgia Tech as well. Quick bonus question: Who's going to finish ranked higher, the ACC champion or Notre Dame? Mm. That's a tough question. It is a tough question. I'm going to say the ACC champion. I would tend to agree because if they, the ACC champion will have – see, if I if I look through NC State and their record, I thought I only saw one definite loss on there. And I think Notre Dame could potentially have two before the bowl season. So no. I would literally the ACC. I tend to agree. And it depends on who ends up winning the ACC. If it ends up being a – you know, kind of a bloodbath and a couple teams have two or three losses, then it could be Notre Dame. But uh, I think Clemson's probably going to walk out of there with one win and be ranked higher than – or one loss and be ranked higher than Notre Dame. So um, I, I would agree with that. But, okay, guys. Well, hey, I appreciate you guys giving me your time tonight. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to ACC with you guys. Definitely looking forward to the season. It seems like it should be a pretty fun conference to watch, if not necessarily the most talent-heavy. But going to be some good games, going to be some action. A lot of upsets, I think, are going to happen in this one. So uh, excited to watch all those with you guys. Oh, yeah. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, fellas. So thanks to all of you guys for listening. Um, we are going to continue with the Big 12 this week. Uh, that'll be coming out by the end of this week. We'll go over all of the teams in the Big 12 doing the same thing we've been doing for the rest of the conferences. And be on the lookout. We may be doing a slight rebrand here for the pod, uh, just kind of making some adjustments to our image. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy this last full week without college football. It's coming. It's gonna. It's just over a week away, and I'm so excited. Week zero, baby. Oh, week zero. I can't wait to bet on stupid-ass games like Nebraska at Northwestern. Oh, man, Dublin, Ireland is going to be rocking that day. Going to love it. But thanks for coming out tonight. Thanks for listening, everybody. And please don't tweet at recruits. Don't do it. Don't tweet them. Don't DM them. Don't do anything like that. Leave them be. Let them do their thing. And respect their decisions always. They're just kids. Just kids. All right. Good night, guys.